Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, back at it on a Thursday. Rothman and Ice, presented by your local Pella Window and Door showroom on Gemini Parkway. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes, CB, the gum grafter, a.k.a. the gum grafter. How we doing, boys? I'm doing great, AR. I'm doing just fine, inching closer and closer to the weekend, so that's mm. always a good vibe. And I, th- I saw today that we are so close to the NFL that that's where a lot of my <laughs> focus is right now, man. A lot of my focus is gearing up for the NFL. I know we got some big-time stuff happening, too, obviously here in our neck of the woods. But, yeah, yeah I got to find something that's going to get me excited on the daily, and that right now is you know, the NFL creeping around the corner because that's what we've been waiting on, man, is you know football of some sort. Uh, whether that be college football in the NFL, and it's, it's it's here, man. I'm getting I'm getting excited. Yeah, I can't get there just yet. I mean, I guess I will after our fantasy draft. And I just feel like <clears throat> getting through this week, Maddie, this weekend to see if we have any news about the Big Ten is still what's bouncing around in my brain, and I think everybody else's. I I, I know NFL's out there, and it will be there. Whether it whether it's a consolation prize or however we want to put it. You're right. It will fill a void, especially if the Big Ten decides to dig in and if they do have a revote or they're going to have some sort of half-assed straw poll again on whether most of these presidents even want to revisit it, which I do believe now that the presidents have been a little more on the record. We don't have a this name equals this, but we can do the math. We know the three that would rather have delayed than canceled or postponed. And we know that, at least from Dave Biddle and Bucknuts, that he believes that there is a revote coming as soon as Friday. Now, it's a little bit sooner than I expected as far as giving something definitive. I thought there'd be a little more deliberation, wait a little longer. You still have a little time to gather as much evidence as you want. But I guess the longer it goes, like the longer you wait, I guess the worse it is. I I don't – it's weird. I almost feel like the presidents, and now that they're going to have to really attach their names to it, right, I I do believe that'll happen with the lawsuits and trying to discover who stands where and why. If they do take another vote as soon as Friday or – I don't maybe I guess they could table it till after the holiday weekend uh, or they could do it going into the holiday weekend and that would be if it's a if it's a no or yes depending on how you look at it it might be received um better if it's over a holiday weekend I don't know I just feel like if they have to attach their name now to a no there's a different consequence to it whereas I feel like whatever that vote was before whatever deliberation happened I don't know if it was an actual, okay, get on the record, President so-and-so, yay or nay, postpone till 2021 or not. 
I don't know if it was that defined. Maybe a lot of these presidents were more in the camp of the ones that voted no were in the camp of no as in I don't feel good about going forward right now. I don't know if we'll ever really know that. But now that things are more out there, just a a slightly different transparency to it, I think whatever you get sooner than later as far as them weighing in will have a much bigger consequence And I feel like that might sway a couple of them to be like, okay, if I'm going to say no, I better come with a lot of information on why I did that. Yeah, no, and that's that's the key. I agree with a lot of that. And, you know, I think, you know, with the rapid testing that's out there, with some of the new information that is out there, maybe some of that did sway, you know, the mentality of some of these presidents. I can't wait to see when this, you know, if and when this does happen, what the results are of this, because I just, you know, my mind was thinking all last night of just everything that's been happening behind closed doors, all these meetings with all these important people. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, it's such a back and forth on the daily with this conference that your mind can kind of get tired of just going through all the loopholes and all the different reports, what's real, what's not. But the fact that we're to this point right now, uh, I think it's fun to talk about. I really do. Because you go back to just a couple weeks ago, which is how down in the dumps the vibe was just around all of this. And now that we're to this point and they're revisiting it, um, I love it. I really do. But as far as the vote goes, like... It's all on the medical front, in my opinion. It really is. And the ability to keep the players, the coaches, and everyone involved, can they keep them safe? Do they feel like they can do that? Do they want to delay a little bit? I know that's something that we have talked about. Do they want to see these other conferences go out there and play for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. and maybe get this thing rolling in mid-October, and that'll keep you in the mix for the college football playoff? I think that absolutely is very important. But this return-to-play committee... You know, they, they, I don't know what they know as far as what new information they have. And that's why it's hard for, for me to sit here today and say, I think this is going to happen. I know there's a lot of positive stuff that seems to be out there happening on Twitter from people that are definitely involved. But as I sit here right now, based off all the stuff that I, we've read and talked about of how serious they're taking the medical side of this and how uncomfortable mm-hmm. they were with going out, um, and putting on with a season, putting forth a season, with the information that they had at the time, what changed? What has changed that's going to lean mm-hmm. them the other way is the biggest question of all this for me. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think it's a lot of legal language that we're trying to juggle right now yep. and whether or not they have enough people that voted one way. And that's why I keep diving into this so-called vote that happened August 11th. How... I guess, defined was it? Like, was it, it seemed like it's it's almost a very casual thing. I, I don't, I'm, I'm a firm believer, and you've heard me say this many times, that I do believe the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, most of the presidents thought they were going to be at the head of the line as far as conferences delaying the season or postponing till the spring. They didn't feel confident without a vaccine or certain, like you say, medical advice. Um, it's going to go back and forth here over the next day or two on whether, from a legal standpoint, the Big Ten, will they want their previous meeting from that August 11th released publicly because of the lawsuit? That was the big one, right? Yep. And and if it comes down to, and what I've been reading, if it comes down to like 10-4 or 9-5 and they can get their house in order and provide documentation, testimony, a roll call to the public, um, 
whether this lawsuit is what they're really afraid of. They're afraid now of not being transparent. I think that's good that they're afraid of that. I think we could get more names on the record, and I've always been on this program saying I don't know what is right or what is wrong. I know from an optic standpoint, I look around and I see sports starting. I see other leagues playing. Whether or not they get shut down and whether they look foolish after this or even worse, whether it's medically unsafe, I don't know. We have high schools knocking heads. It's the optics of it. And I've heard this phrase thrown out before, like, well, if it's safe for them, why isn't it safe for the Big Ten? I think the only way you can answer that is those that are doing it believe it's safe. They don't know it's safe. They believe it's safe. So when you, when you throw that phrase out, well, wh- why do they, why do, what do they know that the Big Ten doesn't? I think they're willing to take the chance. They're willing to mitigate the risk. They're willing to protect their programs as much as possible. Yeah. You can you bubble this thing? Like that's you know, it's very difficult. We always said that about this game, about college football. How can you bubble it? How can you protect it? They're college kids. They're still going to party. They're still going to get together with people. Can you keep it out of the walls of your program? I would like to believe, and I've said many times at Ohio State, that with nobody opting out, you knew how serious they were about trying to play and be a part of a championship run. Then I see articles like, and this is what would probably scare people that feel like a revote would be a positive one, that the, that, that the Penn State University football doctor is saying that 30 to 35% of COVID-19 positive Big Ten athletes had myocarditis. Now, I'm no doctor and neither are you. I don't know how many get it without getting that virus. I don't know how prevalent it has been in sports over the years. It's a, obviously a serious thing. Inflammation of the heart muscle. That, that's a very serious thing if it's mm-hmm. left unchecked. Now, that's part of one of the hurdles apparently that some of these programs are willing to go for, which is be very, very on point when it comes to checking myocarditis and the heart muscle. I was talking to my brother last night. He's in Chicago, and he was saying to me that he still isn't sure that every Big Ten school will have the same, not financial commitment, but just a basic commitment to doing that type of testing every single week, multiple times. Mm -hmm. Like, are they willing to go all in on what it's going to take to protect their athletes? And that may be something that only the presidents can respond to. But when I read this article, for anyone that thinks this is going to be a quick snapback and the presidents are just going to take a knee to the pressure and not want their name attached to a no vote publicly, I think that's a little too far. I'm not saying they don't want to try to play, and maybe some of them will be swayed over the last several weeks of what's happened since. Maybe they will. But like you said, what has specifically changed for them other than backlash, yeah. other than other conferences trying to go? And so if you get a Penn State doctor, now this doctor, uh, Wayne Sebastianelli, Penn State's director of athletic medicine, these are alarming comments that he made about the link between COVID-19 and myocarditis, particularly in Big Ten athletes. And so if, if and, cardiac and that, MRIs reveal that a third of Big Ten athletes 
who tested positive for COVID-19 appeared to have myocarditis. Yeah. Well, he's going to have to prove that, number one, and then you're going to also be questioned about whether uh, athletes without COVID-19 have had this or had it. But it's one of those things on the other side that makes me kind of take a little bit of a pause. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know. I get it. No, I, it I just stands. yeah, no, and that's why I have been saying that I've been staying down the middle with this AR because mm-hmm. of what you just rolled out there and how real that is. Because that has been a large portion of this whole conversation over the last couple months here when it comes to the Big Ten is myocarditis and how real is that? How much real information do we have? The effect of that? The long term effect of not just that whole situation, but COVID? Like those com- those answers? Like do they have more? clarity on how this whole situation can affect athletes not just football players but Mm -hmm. all the athletes under their umbrella years down the road because the liability thing has also been something that they don't want to talk about out in the public but we know that that's part of the equation too along with all the health stuff so all of that you know i've been talking about do these presidents and these you know the people in charge the one percent possibility of something going wrong, especially when you talk about myocarditis, is that going to affect or did that affect their vote? Is that same mentality mm-hmm. going to come into play this weekend when they vote again? Because that information that you throw out there, AR, if I'm one of the presidents that voted to, OK, yeah, I do want to postpone it. Let's push this thing back. If I have that, is my mentality going to change just because of rapid testing? I don't mm-hmm. know. I just know if I was in that situation. And I voted to postpone the season, whether I have rapid testing information or not. But I've got doctors and medical experts that I trust telling me how serious uh, the myocarditis situation can be and how something like that can come back down the road to potentially haunt you or the university. I don't know if my vote changes. And that's why this stuff is all across the board. I do think that it is possible that they can get this thing done. I think that you got time still. Well, I believe in the whole rapid testing and how important that could be because we've seen other conferences crank up the amount of testing that they're going to per week. So I, I just, if you don't trust what you have, if you don't trust the new information, if you're one of these people that has voted, I don't know how this thing goes the other direction, AR, because the fear of what could come down the road, I think, weighed it weighed heavily on a lot of their minds. Yeah, it scared them. There's no question. And, and maybe Kevin Warren led the scaring part Maybe he did. Maybe he was leaning that way and was able to influence them. Or maybe they were already on that side and it pushed him over. But now we have to decide, and it's going to be very difficult to know whether this new vote, if and when it happens, is a PR move just for transparency because of the lawsuit and whether that, quote, vote that happened on August 11th, was it a true vote or was it just a heavy lean and the Big Ten wanted to appear unified and they had enough where they could just call it overwhelming, where no one really had to attach a no vote to their name. And now the lawsuit may have pushed transparency to the forefront, and now if you're clinging to hope of a season, that pressure may help you. It might, because now they have to put their name on it, hopefully. We'll examine that when we come back, Maddie. And also, a fresh opt-out, which is kind of a surprising situation in the college football season. We'll tell you who and where. And the reasoning for the opt-out, can it all just be put into the category of COVID concern? Maybe not. We'll examine that next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Mornings have never sounded better. Brandon Beam, Bobby Carpenter, and Anthony Schlegel host Morning Juice. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Weekday starting at 6. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Uh, we have another opt-out, Maddie. Georgia quarterback Jamie Newman opting out for the NFL draft. This is on his Twitter. Uh, kind of went with a you know prayer discussion with my family. I want to announce the uncertainties of this year. Amid a global pandemic, I will officially opt out of this football season. Uh, I said this a while ago, and I think we, we believe we have to stay consistent on this. I'm not going to question... His decision. His decision is his own. He stands by it. And he was a grad transfer from Wake Forest. He was competing with JT Daniels and a redshirt freshman. Or he was, is he a redshirt freshman? There was another redshirt freshman on the team, I think, and another freshman. Uh, he had the edge. Like he's been on campus since the beginning of the year. And so he had the edge in this. Uh, I don't I'm not speaking about him, but I do I have seen on Twitter over the last twenty four hours, and I don't know if it's true or not, that these agents are looking at a little blood in the water now with the opt outs. And the incentive of if you opt out and you're going into your NFL career, that we can advance you money. This happens all the time when guys declare mm-hmm. and their amateur career is over. We're in a living in a different time right now, and you're weighing the risks versus the reward. I would think if I could be the starting quarterback at Georgia, this opt-out would have happened before now. I know they're not supposed to start till when? At the end of the month, mm-hmm. 26th. Um, but they didn't have their spring drills, and they were forced to rely on Zoom calls to get their quarterbacks up and going. Um, I don't know if he would have absolutely owned the job. He may have won the job, and now he's out. It just brings to the surface again more complication to this season for a lot of these guys and what's on the horizon. And when he says uncertainties of this year amid a global pandemic – that's all he said as far as his concerns. There's yeah. no specifics. There's nothing that I'm afraid of getting this or a family member. It just uncertainties of this year amid a global pandemic, and that's that, why he's out. Okay, yeah, and that's fine. And we talked about it a couple of days ago when Jamar Chase 
decided to say I'm out. And that was a guy that I thought at the beginning of the season um, or beginning of the summer, whatever we want to call it, he would have decided not to play anyway because he has nothing to gain, I believe, by coming back and heading to the draft. And I asked you, AR, I said, I wonder what type of domino effect this is going to have within the conference to the guys that probably think they're top 50 picks or whatever the case is. And it's interesting to me that this is taking off just a little bit because we had another one of the, an LSU product come out that, you know, it was a top kind of 30 prospect from some, what some of the draft guys think of him as well on the defensive side of the ball. And now you head out to Georgia. So another, you got a quarterback, a star receiver and a stud on defense within mm-hmm. the conference that said, I'm out and they're playing. And I think it's real that you bring up, um, kind of some of the stuff that you're seeing on, on the front of the agent situation because, it makes total sense to me. It makes total sense to me. If I'm one of these guys that is creeping around the corner and I'm, I'm seeing the NFL draft around that corner and I'm hearing some good stuff about where I could go and I had some good mm-hmm. stuff on tape last year, uh, amongst all this confusion of what's to come within this college football season, if we get to a complete college football season, it could be a mess. It could really be a mess. So I'm not shocked at all to see this, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if the, a lot of the reasoning was based off of, hey, man, look, I can get out of college, I could be done, and I can make some mm-hmm. money. I can go out to California or Arizona and train and enjoy some good weather and some good food. Like All that stuff, to me, sounds much better than me being stuck in my dorm room, not being able to do much, and then on top of that, mm-hmm. not being paid as I'm going along the way of doing all of those things. So, yeah, I, I, I it's fun to talk about football that could be coming in the college football world. But if some of these guys in the next couple of days or a couple of weeks or whatever say, I'm good, well, what, what is the SEC football going to look like? We'll love watching football, but we got top names rolling out of there, and I'm interested to see if the domino effect continues, man. He's one of the interesting ones because he's not a rock-solid draft pick. Yeah, that's the one, The ones that we've seen – who have opted out, you know, the Big Ten, those guys are absolute locks, first-rounders. Like, that's the, the difference for me. But, I, I mean, I'm glad you brought up a couple of good points there about why he might want to do that. But he had a really good 2019. He got injured. Um, and so he had a chance to go to a very high-profile program, win a job, raise his stock for the draft, and go into the league – feeling much better about his chances of making it. Yeah, uh, It's all individual decision, and obviously he's weighed the risk versus the reward of going in. But that, to me, is really interesting. Now, I could understand if it was a guy who didn't think he'd win the job, why am I going to go through this, why am I going to risk it? But usually it's more about the next level. What is going to help me get to the next level and stay there? Mm-hmm. It surprises me. Mm-hmm. That's all. Uh, usually it's a guy that has it all fairly locked up. First round, borderline second. Yeah, no, I'm fully with you. Or maybe my mind also went to could this be, you know, a guy in the SEC? You know, is he telling us without telling us that, hey, what's going on down here really ain't that smooth? Like, we're planning on playing mm-hmm. football, but what's happening down here on the daily or the weekly mm-hmm. with COVID or whatever's happening, I'm not comfortable with it. I, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into this because I'm with you. We've talked so much and we'll continue to talk as football goes out there about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Like, to all the guys that we've talked to AR, those are the three kind of consistent quarterbacks that they're comfortable with. 
Maybe he's heard that he's in that mix after those guys, and he said, you know what, I ain't risking it. I've heard that, hey, mm-hmm. I could be the fourth quarterback taken off the board this year. I don't know what he's been told, but maybe that's it. And also, we've yeah. seen guys come out and say, you know what, I'm good on college. I'm done. Right. Like, if, if I've got an out, a parachute out of here, get me out of here. I don't uh-huh. care how much money I'm making, you know? That's always part of it. That's always part of it, trying to get your career started. And maybe he feels like you said, with the personal training, it'll be just as good. Yeah. And you're right. I have no idea what agents are telling him. I don't know. Maybe they're telling him exactly what he wants to hear. Maybe he has legitimate concerns. Right. He maybe has both. It can be both. Yeah, it can. It can be he can be he can be looking at it and weighing it. And that's why, you know, we start with saying that every person is they don't fall under the same category of lock first rounder, gotta opt out. We've seen lock first rounders that want to play. Yep. Justin Fields right in our own backyard. Wants to play for the seniors, wants to be competitive, wants to suit up for Ohio State, wants to try to win a championship, has a Heisman to contend for. Yes. Like he has a million reasons to play, and he has multi-million reasons not to. Right. And it's, so it's, it's individual. Yeah. I'm not going to crush one guy and praise the other just because he's suiting up. Yeah. This and year has been strange for everybody. The same goes for Trevor Lawrence, because if yeah. we were put out a list of guys, yeah. they are that we wanted to point at and say, they don't need this. They don't need this season. The two guys we're talking about right now will probably lead that list. And all the other guys that we've seen bail out. Look, this is kind of the new norm in college football. When we talk about guys having that golden ticket and, you know, saying, I'm good. And I totally understand it. They are, I guess my question is, or my mind is starting to think, you know, how much earlier do those decisions get made when we get back to normal? We, we always talk about bowl season and all that, but let's say you get nicked up in week seven or week eight mm-hmm. of a college football season. Regardless of what your team's doing, we saw it happen with Nick Bosa. Do more of these decisions happen earlier throughout a season is something I'm fascinated to see unfold in the college football world. Russell Brown, CoverOne.net, uh, will give us a take on the NFL prospects and how he thinks they'll shake out in a very complicated season. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Radio. It opens your mind to stimulating. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Conversation and live sports. And best of all, it still costs zero dollars. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Sports talk, well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Russell Brown, cover.net. Cover, actually, I'm sorry, cover1.net. Uh, with us on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Russell, welcome back. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing okay. We're just kind of hanging here, hanging by a thread here on the Big Ten season, <laughs> and so are these players, and specifically some of the big ones yeah. that probably didn't have to play, but they're they're hanging with their team. Justin Fields, Sean Wade. Certainly Sean Wade came back to try to win a title. Let me ask you this. Does he have to have a season this year in your mind? Does he have to have more tape to be the top corner taken in the draft? I don't think so. I think it's it's really – this is one of the most interesting debates, I think, within draft evaluators, and, and it's going in draft rooms because you have Patrick Sertain out of Alabama. You have Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. He's not playing this year. And then you have Sean Wade. I, I think the benefit of having a season for Sean Wade is that he can show 
I can play consistently on the outside. As, as we all know, he's been primarily playing in the slot in, in that nickel role. But there is a role for that in the NFL, and some people do have question marks. I do have him as my top-ranked corner right now. I just love his aggressiveness. I love the way he's not afraid to come and tackle. So I love his skill set, but it is very close with Farley, Sertain, and, and then obviously you have Wade. So I think it's like a 1A, 1B, 1C type of thing, and I think it's going to be an interesting debate throughout the entire season. You know, Russell, a lot of the focus when it comes to draft conversation about the Buckeyes right now is slanted towards Sean Wade and obviously Justin Fields, but another guy that, you know, you keep reading about and hearing about, you know, from people like you that are all over this stuff is Wyatt Davis. And looking at this kind of offensive Mm -hmm. line class or the guards, at least, however you want to break it down, uh, where do you got Wyatt Davis kind of slotted right now? Is is this a sure kind of first-round talent that you're looking at on tape? Yeah, I think he is. He, he's one of my top interior offensive linemen. I, I love what he brings to the table. I, I love the physicality. I love his just thick overall frame. And, and, and this is a guy that, you know, listed at 6'4", 315, 320. And he has been so consistent at that guard spot. He really popped last year. got him 17th on my board right now, which is second best interior offensive lineman outside of Creed Humphrey from, from Oklahoma. So I think he's a sure first rounder. I know guards don't get a ton of love, um, but and it's still obviously first week of September. So we'll see what happens through the entire draft process. But I, I think teams would, would really value him, whether you're looking at a pass first offense or a run first offense. I think there's plenty of teams out there have those needs for guard play uh, in, in, on the interior offensive line. And, and we see it all the time with like a team like the Detroit Lions. They don't really uh, re-sign their interior offensive linemen. I know they just signed Taylor Decker as all Buckeye fans know, but they don't really re-sign their interior offensive line. And, and every four or five years they recycle through and they get kind of that fresh meat. Wyatt Davis could be one of those guys, but he could be a stud and elite player. I think he's got that type of skill set for sure. Russell Brown, National Scout for CoverOne.net with us on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Jamar Chase opts out. Uh, and may, he may be the lock of all locks. I mean, what's he coming back for? Won a yeah. championship, won a Bolitnikoff, wouldn't have Joe Burrow as his quarterback. This one probably was one that did not shock you. Uh, where do you have him going, and is there any serious competition for number one receiver besides him? I don't think so. I mean, you could maybe say Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota could could potentially get close, but I, I don't think it's as close as last year where we had Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. I think really the debate starts at number two. Who's the number two receiver on boards? Who's the number three receiver? So on and so forth. But Jamar Chase, he's number four on my board. It's hard not to like this guy. 84 receptions last year, almost 1,800 yards, had 20 touchdowns. Obviously the benefit of playing with Joe Burrow, being in Joe Brady's offense, all of that good stuff. But he is a natural player. He's got athletic ability, a natural shredded athlete. He has got that athletic ability to get above the rim, great body control, great tracking. I mean, there's, you can ooze it all, all day about him. So I think he's a, a, a sure top 10 pick. It would not surprise me, though, if the team in the top five pulled the trigger on Jamar Chase. Russell, we were talking before you hopped on, man, about the Jamie Newman decision and, you know, maybe some factors mm-hmm. that went into that. And, you know, we've talked a ton about the big three, I guess, if that's what we want to call them, with Fields, Lance, and Trevor Lawrence down there at Clemson. But where are you at with, with Jamie Newman? Do you think this was a decision based off of, you know, a first-round grade, second-round grade? What's your thoughts on, you know, him uh, opting out of the 2020 season? I truly do believe 
he's hearing reports out there, and I, I don't know for sure, but I think he's probably heard that there's a possibility for him to go on the second day of the draft. And I think that was the case regardless if he played or, or didn't play this season. I don't think he's going to go in the first round. I just think he was far too inconsistent with his mechanics and his, his overall footwork. Those were things that needed to get shaped up. And I was excited to see him in this offense. I really was. I liked him in Wake Forest. I would have been fine if he stayed there. But I was excited to see him go to to Georgia, play in that pro-style offense, all of that good stuff. But I, I think this right now is is a guy that it, on my board and in, in my initial viewing, I, I think he was a day three quarterback. That's where I would have been most comfortable taking him. But you get those teams with, with multiple picks on the second and, second day of the draft in that third round range. I think he could go there. But he, he is going to just go all in, prepare himself, fix those mechanics now, not have to worry about COVID. Well, I mean, you have to worry about COVID, but not so much like on the football field. You don't have those distractions. He's, he's going to be able to put it all in and, and getting panics cleaned up. And you, you see the arm talent. That's all natural. The athletic ability, he's a natural athlete as far as the mobility. So he's just going to go in and show, hey, I can fix my mechanics. This is where I'm at. So we'll see where he's at come February, March, April, that stuff. So hopefully it all comes together for him. Russell, without a season, if there isn't one, is there any way that Justin Fields can overtake Trevor Lawrence for number one? I don't think so. And even if there were a season and if Trevor Lawrence played Mm -hmm. or didn't play, I I don't see it happening. Trevor Lawrence to me seems like the the real deal, the complete package. And that's not a knock on Justin Fields. It's just, it's not every day you get a six foot six quarterback that can move like Trevor Lawrence has the instincts of him and just the natural arm talent that he brings to the table. Now, Justin Fields, he, he does throw the football all over the football field. So that's a good thing. I think he's obviously got the mobility, and I think he's just a, a good passer as well. And I, I love the comfortability that he has shown this past year for Ohio State. So I still think he's a first-rounder, whether the Big Ten plays or not. I'm hoping, obviously, living in Big Ten country here in Michigan, I'm hoping he plays so uh, we get some football up here in the Great Lakes region and all that. But um, I, I don't see it happening. Could could we see almost like a, a Jameis Winston uh, Marcus Mariota type thing where they kind of go one and two or you know one and three two and three whatever it might have been, yeah, absolute. But I, I think right now Trevor Lawrence is just a clear cut favorite in this draft to be the number one pick. Russell, I gotta say, man, one guy that I was really surprised to see come back and play this year was running back Travis Etienne for Clemson, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting here still, and, and my mind is like, what does this guy have to prove? The numbers, the awards, the championships with the squad, like all that stuff. He's been a part of it. Um, is there more? Like, is there more meat left on the bone for Travis Etienne from what you've seen? Because I thought last year, man, his value was super high after what he did. From things that I have heard and things that I've read, he had gotten a a second-round grade, a mid-second-round grade, and that just was not good enough for him, I think. And obviously, he wanted to come back to Clemson and potentially bring another national championship. Obviously, being in the program, doing all that stuff, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I I think one thing he wants to prove to everybody is that he's not just this, I I don't want to say one-trick pony, but he doesn't want to prove that he's just that or that he's just going to be a, a pass catcher at the next level or just a two-down back. He wants to show he is the back. And when you had the competition that you had last year at running back with Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, when you had all of that, it was hard for him to overcome that because I like those guys more than I like Travis Etienne, I'll be honest. But this year, 
he's got a, a strong chance of being the up running back. Could he still go in the second round? Absolutely. I think that's probably a realistic landing spot for him. But he he thinks with a season here uh, approaching, he can play and he can prove, hey, I can go in the first round. And I can't fault the guy for coming back and competing. So, um, you know, I'm with you a little bit. I, I think he is who he is at this point. I think he's just that jump-cutting, explosive, one-cut type of back with the dynamic ability to catch passes out of the backfield. But I like him as much as I like those other guys. Like I said, I just thought those guys were more complete. I thought they could carry the load where ETN might only be a, a 12 to 15 touch guy uh, at the next level. Really good stuff with Russell Brown, CoverOne.net on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Russell, we appreciate your insight, bud. Thanks and be well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Be safe. Thank yeah. you. Good value to our listeners there. A lot of good stuff. Uh, I know we don't like to flip the page, but we do it. In, we do it in uh, certainly in recruiting. We always do it in mock drafts, man. Always. Yeah. Uh, all right. When we come back, Maddie, couple big headliners in the NFL. <laughs> One guy getting yet another chance, and a workhorse finds yeah. his stable. We'll do it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station, the band. Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for every meal? Check. Yeah, I know you're hungry. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, back at it. Rothman and Ice. Two big headliners in the NFL. You know it's the bigger one. The guy that's actually going to play. Fournette. We mentioned Tampa last week. Uh, it's one of those deals where I look at this and I'm like, man, if there was one weakness to Tampa, I was not really into the running game. Not that they absolutely had to have the best running game possible, but this does, I haven't looked at the odds, Maddie, on where this shifted Tampa at all. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, you're giving them one of the top running backs in the NFL. But when you think about the motivation Fournette's going to have here on that team, not having to truly carry the load when you have that much respect that's going to be offered by defenses to their passing game, he's going to make a big impact. Yeah. It's one year uh, deal, max value of three and a half mil. So he gets yeah. less than he would have made, you know, if someone picked him up yeah. uh, off waivers and paid that contract. He'll get a $2 million base. There are incentives. He's worth that kind of money on a one year. 
I agree. And if you're Leonard Fournette, man, why wouldn't you go here? Why wouldn't you? If you had your options, you know, you went unclaimed on waivers, and now you and your agent are sitting back, and he's coming to you with this team, that team, this team, that team, and one of those teams is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. That's an easy option for me. And then on top of that, you told me I get to stay in Florida. So that's great for me. I'll, I'll be running in good weather, playing, you know, inside a dome once in, in New Orleans. I think there's so many factors here um, that could have leaned him, obviously it did towards Tampa Bay and look I think his reputation took a bit of a hit uh, you know during his time you know in Jacksonville Mm -hmm. but two of his three years in the NFL are a thousand yards I mean I know those numbers you can pick them apart all you want but for you know a team down there in Jacksonville that was right there at the doorstep not too long ago and then they had a whole bunch of turnover and they brought in Coughlin and guys weren't really vibing with Coughlin I thought he went out and played pretty well last year, and I think we brought this up the other day. He caught 76 passes, too. So if he's going to do that, playing with Tom Brady, a quarterback that we've seen over the last few years, really have no issue with showing his running backs love. James White has become a huge name because of Tom Brady and how amount of passes that he catches. If you get that combination with Leonard Fournette, along with all the guys that you mentioned, all those pass catchers that you absolutely better respect, I think this could be a strong, strong fit for Leonard Fournette if he has everything from the neck up right. And I, because I still believe in the talent. He's only 25 Mm -hmm. years old. I still think he's got plenty left in the tank. Um, so yeah, I saw this come down from our guy Shefty yesterday and I said, of course, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go to Tampa? I think it's fun for the league. They've got this all-star team down there in Tampa Bay. Don't know if it's going to work smoothly to start the year, but I think they figure it out eventually and they are definitely going to be a force to be uh, reckon with yeah a couple things on you know when you join Brady and you join Arians it makes you fall in line it's it, they have that's what Brady brings to the, to the table like you you play on his team you're playing on his team he is not playing on yours like that's that's what he has yeah and when guys like Leonard Fournette can check both boxes of okay I want to show it to the Jags I'm going to show it to the NFL I'm still a viable workhorse back in this league. I'll take the one-year prove-it deal because I know I'm going to a good team. My numbers should be good. I might get double-digit touchdowns. I'm going to get some goal line work. Like We might compete for a title. We should be in the playoffs. Like That's, that's a big mind-changer for guys. Like it kind of tables the the malcontentness that he has. Yeah. Like you're, going, you're joining a six-time Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Mm-hmm. You're staying in Florida. And you're staying in a in a uh, no state tax situation. Yeah, that's huge. So if yep. you're going on this one year prove it deal, and you can parlay that into something, if you have a great year, then all of a sudden you might get a long term deal based on this. So it it does make sense. I threw it out there last week along with the Patriots that it just seems like that's kind of the team that would be willing to take this on. There aren't, sometimes when you take on a dude that's had problems in other locker rooms, you just have to make sure that your culture is rock solid. And it's Super Bowl or bust now in Tampa. Like oh, There's course. a mindset yeah. with Gronk and Brady like, hey, you fall in line or we won't, we won't call your number. And so I think this was a not a huge investment to make on a guy where if you pay him so much money, you feel like you got to use him. Yep. And now you feel like he's part of a maybe the lead of the committee. Of course, with the incentives in there, you dangle the carrot out in front of him week by week to keep him, you know, mentally motivated. But I think this is pretty telling of, you know, they've, 
you and I have been on the same page looking at Tampa's offense and saying, man, the guys that are going to catch the rock from Brady, that, that's really strong all across the board. But who's coming out of that backfield that you're afraid of? And there was really nobody. Mm-hmm. I mean, last right. year, this this is a squad that ranked 24th in yards per game. I mean, you talk about Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones combining mm-hmm. for 1,100 yards, and Leonard Fournette alone gave you 1,100 yards last year. So, yeah, this is one of those stories to where I truly believe that where he was at the time was just a bad fit, whether it was the football stuff, whether it was him not getting along with Marone and Tom Coughlin, all of that stuff. I think mentally he was probably checked out because I think physically he can still do this. And I think this is a scary move for the rest of the NFC because Tom Brady and Bruce Arians every single week are going to be drawing up a game plan saying we have something that can counter against a lot of defenses, whether we need to go into a run-heavy game or a pass-heavy game. That, to me, is what makes elite teams elite that you can go in and you can balance yourself out going against any opponent. And now I think AR Tampa's definitely got the skill set to do that, man. It's, I think it's an exciting move. I'm glad that he picked here and not some other team where he'll kind of get forgotten about a little bit because they won't be in the mix. And I don't know how many teams were actually picking him. I don't know. Uh, maybe this was the best of what he had to, to, to get, which is very good. I would question a little bit of their offensive line. Like, I haven't heard or read a ton of great reviews that they're going to be able to keep Brady upright for as long as he has to be upright. Fournette should take some heat off that, but that's still yet to be seen, whether that's he's fair. going to have a good enough offensive line mm-hmm. to utilize all of this, to open holes for Fournette, to give yep. him time. So mm-hmm. that's probably my biggest question about Tampa. But you're right. The weapons are everywhere. They have the quarterback, and now they have the attitude of, we're a Super Bowl contender, Leonard. You either fall in line or Ronald Jones, who flashed last year, will have to lean on him a little bit. And I know that they want Fournette to be the lead guy in early downs. Like, it seems like he's going to be the guy. We'll see what kind of split is coming. When we come back, Sports Center update, top of the hour. And yet, one more chance. Will he get it? We'll tell you who we're. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Talking about and where Rothman and Ice on the fan. The first and the best. Your home for all things Buckeyes, Jackets, and former linebackers making inappropriate innuendo. The fan. Ohio sports destiny. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Indeed, you are. Rothman and Ice, second hour. Mention the ex-Jacksonville Jag, Leonardo Fournette, going to Tampa Bay on a one-year deal. Uh, Former fourth overall pick, going to the NFC South. And remember, you're going to get that dominant in, in the GA as well. Oh, yeah, the Mercedes-Benz dome. That uh thing's sexy, man. I love looking at that thing. You know, it's a weird little spaceship. It looks great from the outside, that revolving, that little circular uh, ticker tape up top. You can't keep your eyes off it. But as far as a stadium goes, it's kind of like a very industrial stadium inside, Matty. 
It's very it's workmanlike. Just, okay. And yeah. look, they, they, they've always disappointed me with their decision to put a Chick-fil-A inside the stadium. And we all know mm. Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday. So if I'm a Falcons fan and I want to go in there and get my waffle fries with my crispy mm. chicken sandwich with a pickle on top, maybe add a little pepper jack cheese to that thing and eliminate it, I'm set. I can't do that when I want to root for Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Mm. That's got to be extremely frustrating. Well, a guy like you would smuggle it in in your pants. <laughs> Right? <laughs> it depends if I had draws on or not. That I day, think you know. I got my draws on. <laughs> I got no draws. Um, yeah, I mean, a guy like you. I mean, is that uh, oh, that a souvenir in your pocket <laughs> or a uh, Chick Fil A? Um, but oh, I'm very man. excited for the game. My ma- my name is Ice, and I'm here, and I'm excited for the game. It's not a Chick Fil A in my pants. Oh my goodness! It's um, so disappointing, man. It's so disappointing. All right, so yeah, the other part of this, as you get your lawn finally manicured today, is the fact that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, hey, I know you got you got landscapers. You're you're yeah, listen. You're you know. you got a gated community. And when the when the landscapers come, Maddie, that's you know that's what it's supposed to. They be. got I mean, look. Hey, they got a job not, to do too. Right, you got to get out there and bark some orders. A- edge the. Hey, I said edge that thing. Um. All right. So yeah. let's get to. You know, when I first saw this report, the first thing that popped in my head was, "Don't give up. Don't ever give up." <laughs> Josh Gordon yeah. applying uh, for NFL reinstatement and. He's going to get signed, or he is signed now, by the Seattle Seahawks, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so he, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say that when I saw this, it doesn't mean he's playing, correct? From what I've seen, that I don't think that's the case either. I think I, maybe CB could double check this on the reinstatement front. I, I just mm-hmm. know that it's being reported he's been working out in Seattle, hanging out in that area. We had talked about it not too long ago. We had Antonio Brown's name popping up and what would be the better option. But as far as the fit AR, he had to be comfortable with it because he was just there. He was just there last year. He played a handful of games with them. He played five games a season ago. How much he is going to get used with them, I don't know. But if I'm if I'm Josh Gordon and I'm trying to revamp my career, I want to attach myself to Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Right. right? How about yeah. if you're looking at it from Russ's standpoint? Oh, I mean, look. I mean, how quickly has this offense kind of turned around on paper? I mean, you look at you know what they have. They are. We know their style, what it's mm-hmm. been that's brought them success. It's been the running game with beast mode and the defense, and you know all those dudes back there, the lob. And we had you know talked about them for a long period of time. But now, when you got Lockett and Metcalf, and you bring in Josh Gordon, maybe they are going to trust Will- Russell Wilson to go out there and throw that thing some more so I, I don't know he didn't make a huge impact for them last year in a handful no. of games it's just we know like kind of how I was talking about for net he's a talented guy and teams are never going to give up on what they view as talent and Josh Gordon physically always looks the part I think most people believe it, it depending on where he would go that would make you feel like whether you believed he could be he could still be great again uh, he's a long shot for me he's a long shot for most people you know just re-signing with the Seahawks uh, first of all, he will not be reinstated right away, I don't okay. believe, and that's still going on. And he he played in five games last year, caught seven passes, and if his reinstatement, and what Jeremy Fowler has been reported is that it is going well. Like So I'm going to go on the hunch that he is going to play. Well, where is he in that in that deal with Lockett and Metcalf, and isn't Dorsett with them too? 
can't remember. Like yeah, he doesn't, and, he doesn't and, slot in as is the he's probably the third to fourth receiver at this point. How about Greg Olson? Ar, let's throw his name in the mix. Mm-hmm. That was they signed the OG in the offseason off season as well, and we don't know if Pete Pete Carroll's formula is changing. Like it may still be mm-hmm. Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde and all these guys that they have. That may be the way to go about it and just sprinkle it in. I, I just I do know Ar. Like when if we were ga- you know game planning for this offense, we can't ignore Josh Gordon, right? If no. he's out there, you can't ignore him we know that in their pecking order he's a ways down he is but I, I do believe that this can shift defenses and make it mm-hmm. easier to run the ball and all that stuff so when you got a guy like that on your team it's a it's something that can be a mental game that you can play with a defense whether or not you're going to him or not whether you're calling Josh Gordon's number so I'm glad that you cleared it up that he still has to go through the reinstatement process but just from a football standpoint yeah I think from both sides from the player side and the team side they trust each other because they worked together last year how it works out uh, I don't know because I think all those other guys are going to eat a little bit more than he will all right Maddie we did our NFC storylines our big three storylines that we are looking forward to this season time for the AFC I'll let you kick it off all right well you know I'm gonna head down. Slate grayscale. Yeah, yeah. It's, can Rag, I get a little bit more? Tag group mm. of renegades. Mm. Autumn is a pirate. Mm. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, it gets me going every time. I love when you do that. But let's take a trip down to H Town, the home of Beyonce, the home of a strip mm. club, home of a strip club that retired James Harden's jersey up in the rafters because he spent so much money there. This Houston Texans offense, AR, specifically this offense. Look, mm-hmm. we know they have it. We know they've got an all-world quarterback. He's going to be a little bitter with the way the season ended, blowing that 24 to nothing lead against the Chiefs. He's been hearing all offseason, Mahomes, Lamar, even Kyler Murray now is getting a ton of love from guys like me. But I still think that's the concept. But all the other pieces, AR, these names, David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Will Fuller, I think they can be a sneaky good offense. Now, mm-hmm. my belief or some of this is my belief that David Johnson can bounce back. 2016, we know what it was. 1,000 yards rushing, 879 yards receiving. 2018 was solid. But in between that, there's been a lot of ugly. Last year, he got his job taken from Kenyon Drake. Maybe that was fit. Cliff Kingsbury, maybe he wanted a different running back. I don't know. But I still think that he can be a competent running back. And these wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, 1,000 yards in four of his six seasons, AR, with a guy like Deshaun Watson, this is kind of like the all-name team right here with with down there in, in, in H-Town. I just believe that they have a chance, if guys stay healthy, to be an offense that we talk about uh, more so than w- maybe we thought we would be. Alright, number one for me and I think it's number one for a lot of people, Cameron Jarrell Newton. Oh, Jarrell. I love that. Yes, Jarrell. <laughs> Superman's biological father. Um, I don't know if that's why his I don't think they spell it the same, but that's what I've always believed. When he does the Superman, I think of Jarrell. Yeah. Uh, kill the son of a jailer. All right, so I do believe he is the key to everything in keeping Belichick's win st- winning season streak alive that I mentioned months ago on this program. 19 straight, going after 20 straight to tie the great Tom Landry. It's a one-year deal. Coming off Liz Frank, mm. the shoulder surgery. The last two games that he played, he had negative rushing yards. He is the biggest question mark in the AFC, in my estimation. There haven't been many quarterbacks who have ever rushed for more than 400 or 500, for sure, after the age of 30. We'll see if he can do it. 
that's going to be a big part of what makes him effective on that team. The number one storyline in the AFC is Cam Newton. Can he save the Patriots' playoff hopes? Oof, man. It's fascinating. Fascinating. I love that one. Second one for me, AR. I'm going to head to the potential home of Big Ten football in Indianapolis. The Indianapolis Colts. Ooh. You mentioned it this week. Their offensive line, through the roof. Lights out. Ridiculous. We know that that is the core of their offense. That's the strength of their offense right there. But is Phillip Rivers cooked? Is he done? I don't know. Last year, Jameis Winston, I know, went out and, what, did 30 for 30? And that took a lot of heat off of Phillip Rivers' 20 interceptions to only 23 touchdowns that he threw with an offense that's absolutely loaded out there for the Chargers. So I can't wait to see what Phillip Rivers is going to look like. I'm not ready to hand him... A bounce-back season just yet. He may be done. I don't know if all these guys can play into their late or early 40s, late 30s at a high level. So that's question number one for me is what Phillip Rivers are we going to get? And who takes over? Which running back is going to be the guy when we get past the halfway point of the season? Because Jonathan Taylor, Mm -hmm. we know in Big Ten country, that dude can roll. And you pair that with the offensive line that we've been talking about. I like Marlon Mack. But they did trade up to get Jonathan Taylor back into the second round. They traded with CB's Brownie. So that tells you a little bit of how they feel about their running back situation. This offense, I think it has a chance to be special. But there are question marks here with the running backs. Is T.Y. Hilton still at number one? But who's going to take over as that number two receiver? Our guy Paris Campbell or Michael Pittman, the guy they drafted this year? The Colts offense, to me, is a big-time question mark AR right now. Yeah, I think think Taylor's the one to own. All right, number two for me, and I'll run through this fast. Uh, stay with quarterbacks. Big Ben. The Big Ben bounce back. From the elbow, is he lighter? Does he look better? Apparently he's been throwing the ball really well since spring. Is he a 4K guy again? Can he toss 25 TDs? He's basically guaranteeing he will play well. Almost made the playoffs without him, which is amazing to say. They'll still have a very good defense. They forced 38 turnovers last year. Will they throw it 600 times now? And, you know, it's a... I, I think you're going to have a ton more plays for that offense with him in there. That goes without saying, that they're going to be able to throw the ball better and more. Contract year, I think, for James Conner. But to me, the second biggest storyline in the league, how threatening are the Pittsburgh Steelers with a healthy Big Ben? I would say they're big-time threat. They got one a very strong half to the formula of winning, AR. That's a great defense. So, yeah, that offense is going to ha- you know uh, have a lot of weight on how far they succeed this season. Third one for me. All right, Buffalo, you ready to take over the AFC East or not? Are you ready? You mentioned Cam Newton. There's also been a lot of dropouts on the defensive side of the ball. I believe in the Patriots' offense, but defensively, I don't know what that looks like. I know Stephon Gilmore's coming back. I know this Buffalo Bills defense is going to be lights out with one of the best corners in the game, Intradavious White. But we don't have to talk about defense. That's not as sexy as talking about this offense. They got your guy, AR, Stephon Diggs. He is now there. Josh Allen, we saw him in that playoff game down there against Houston. Didn't love how that ended, but at least he got his team to the playoff. I know he gets killed a lot. Now he doesn't have any more excuses. He's got one of the best wide receivers on his squad. So this Buffalo Bills team, my question is, the, what this intriguing storyline is, is it their time? Are they ready to put on the big boy pants and kick Bill Belichick and the Patriots out of the club? It's a great storyline. It is great, and it was almost my third one, but I want to be consistent here, and I'm going to stay with quarterbacks. And to me, it's Ryan Tannehill. $118 million? My goodness, did he cash in on one amazing year. I think he had the fourth-best all-time passer rating ever. In 2019, (laughs) and they're going to be still run heavy. We know that. But 22 TDs and six picks, Mm -hmm. like the regression's going to be there. How much? I don't know. But he led the league in passer rating. He kicked out Mariota. The number three storyline, Tennessee was knocking on the door 
yeah. with Ryan Tannehill and his 118 mil. Can they do it again? It's a big storyline if he can prove the doubters wrong that he is not a one-hit wonder. I it, That whole situation was so fun to kind of talk about with what do they do with Henry? Do they tag one? Who do they give the big contract to? They worked it out. They got both of their guys back. You're right. Look. My team knows better than any team what you got to deal with when you play, you know, the Tennessee Titans. Your defense better strap it up because if not, Raves and company are going to see that and they're going to say, "Okay, big boy, you go and handle this. We'll take it off, uh, take it out of Tanner Hill's hands." They have no problem with doing that. They're a physical squad and they got a young receiver in AJ Brown that I think is going to emerge on the scene this year, or more so than he did last year. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it comes back to Tannehill. I'm still kind of. Eh. On that contract, I, I think it could have been more of a flash in the pan, but they could take it out of his hands when they need to. All right, well done. Good storylines for the AFC for this season. All right, when we come back, we continue with the fun stuff. We'll go over-unders on a Thursday. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All leading to our guy from Get Up Hembo at the bottom of the hour at 133. Stick close. Rothman and Ice on the fan. We have two important rules here at the radio station. Adhering to proper broadcasting standards and absolutely no deucing in the hallway bathroom. The fan. Rothman and Ice present overs and unders. All right, Maddie. Our guy CB, he's a gamer, a.k.a. the gum grafter. And he's going to give it a shot today. You know why? Because it's a fun segment, and he's a fun guy. Because you're a fun guy. Go ahead, CB. Testing, testing. Uh, yes. Hello, hello. Uh, no, I, I, I'm a Te- little... Tessie's one, two. Tessie's one, two. I'm a little bit better than that, but okay. Number one. Yeah, so yeah. Julio Jones has been a tad underwhelming in the TD department the past few mm. years. So I want to ask, over or under seven receiving touchdowns in 2020? It's a great number. It's it a great is. number, and I usually take these 30-plus-year-old receivers and say, eh, I don't know, but not with him. Not with him. Um, this dude is just a, a rare breed. He is so impressive. I'm Certainly he's going to be available to me maybe at 14 in the draft. It's tough to, <laughs> it's tough to pass him over, I'm telling you. He had a, what, he, I think he got 100 balls last year, one oh, short. Man, yeah. That's six in a row. That he goes over the 1,300-yard mark. Now, the question isn't yards, it's touchdowns. And that's where you get, it gets a little more difficult. I think it's the right number. He said, what would you say, seven and a half? Or, I, think it was I mean, I had seven, but you can do whatever All right, you want. Well, you got to put this on a half. Um, I would say let's give him eight. I love your number. I'm going to go over on touchdowns for Julio. I am going to take the under oh, no. on one Julio Jones. <laughs> Here's why. I think Calvin Ridley's really yeah. ready to go ham. I think this is the time. This is mm. no knock on Julio Jones, but Calvin Ridley is an absolute monster. And they brought in Hayden Hurst. They traded for Hayden Hurst, tight end, mm-hmm. who was a former first-round draft pick. And you look at what Baltimore's situation was, what is a lot of ton of targets to go around. Maybe he opens things up a little bit more. I will slant this more towards Calvin Ridley. I, I just think I've- he is going to emerge as one of the best kind of, quote, number two receivers in the league, the way we talked about Chris Godwin all offseason down there in Tampa. So, yeah, I, I will take 
uh, the under on this in, in, in hot Atlanta where the players play and they ride on them things like every day. All right, number two. So Josh Allen has 17 rushing touchdowns through two seasons. Over under eight and a half rushing touchdowns for him in 2020. I'm going under. I'm going under. I mentioned Stephon Diggs earlier. I I believe a little bit in that, Tam. That has to open things up just a little bit. And you don't want to keep doing this if you're McDermott and company up there. you got to protect the franchise. I know Josh Allen isn't the sexiest pick of all the young quarterbacks that are out there. I give him a little bit more love than I think other people do. So I will take the under on this, even though it's a tremendous weapon that he brings to the table when you talk about his legs. Yeah, it's under. It's under. Did you mention Zach Moss? I I didn't hear that. Anyway, the addition of him to that backfield – uh, that's going to vulture some touchdowns from Allen. They want to be a run-control, defensive-oriented team, so it should fit what Allen wants to do, but he had nine rushing touchdowns, sixth most all-time, and so 600-plus yards rushing. You've got to protect him a little more. They won't take away what he is and his weaponry, but I'm going to go under on the rushing touchdowns. All right, number three. So Jarvis Landry has hit 1,000 yards in three of his six seasons. So over under 1,000 yards in 2020. I'm under AR. I'm under. There's too many miles to feed. There's too many miles to feed. And everything that we've been told, everything that you read and study about Stefanski, this is going to be two tight ends, run-heavy stuff. They've got another um, mm-hmm. you know, backup running back in Kareem Hunt that was used in the slot last year that could be a pass catcher on the on the field at the same time as Nick Chubb. Look, Jarvis Landry, those numbers don't lie. He, he's a stud. He's a pretty he good player in the slot. But I just think this season with a new guy in there, uh, I, I don't see it happening. Go Coming on. off the hip surgery this offseason and the recovery's gone pretty well. Uh, I don't think that's going to hold him back, but it might be what you said. Here's the here's the rub. Do you take the, the offense that was bad last year, um, or do you take where you've gone, which is too many mouths to feed? Like, this dude has been a top 25 wide receiver in each of the last five years. We're talking about guys like Julio and Mike Evans and this guy. I agree with you. It's target-based. And if he had almost 140 targets last year to get to 1,100 and change, then I'm going to go under as well, just based on lesser targets. All right, number four. So the highest current win total in Vegas is the Chiefs at 11.5. Will they go over or under this number? I think, AR, I've got to take the over, man. I just don't see much slowing uh, this team down. I don't. Their defense has gotten better over the last couple of years, and they invested a lot of money uh, this offseason in a lot of key guys. So, um, yeah, if Mahomes is healthy with Andy Reid calling the plays and their defense kind of rounding into form, I'll take the over for the reigning champs. Yeah, I don't know what the odds are. If you take the over, it might be worse odds on that because I would think that would be the favorite. And so I don't know why would I bet against that type of team. It just it seems like – and there's been a lot of dynasty talk and all that. We'll see how that affects them as far as getting cocky off the Super Bowl. I don't anticipate it. I think they're a pretty, pretty tight team. And I think they know what they have right now. They'll have your team to go against. Maybe some surprise also in the AFC. But, yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a juggernaut. If they don't win 12, I'd be very surprised. So give me the over. Number five. So Drew Brees has failed to hit 30 passing touchdowns in two of his last three seasons. So over under, let's do 29 and a half passing touchdowns for Brees in 2020. 29 and a half. My goodness. These numbers are good. Mm-hmm. Um, Touch them up. Good. Mm. <laughs> Ah, he's 41 years old now, right? And he's going to retire after this year. This is it for him. We he's all going, know, to right? NBC, right? Right. going to NBC, right? Going to WNBC. Um, 
And I would think that his uh, he's going to have to get Kamara and those guys and Mike to catch and go. He's a catch and go quarterback right now. I don't expect a lot of these bombs. He's a kind of the depth of his targets will keep coming back. So he's getting a lot of those catch and score touchdowns. So give me the under. You said twenty nine and a half. Give me the under slightly. I'm going over. Ooh. I think this is a. Do you did you guys forget who I was type of season for Drew Brees Ooh. because. Everybody has been talking about Tom Brady pulling up to the NFC South. Rightfully so. The greatest quarterback the game's ever seen pulled up to the NFC South. you got to pay that a ton of attention along with all the names that joined him. But mm. I'm not forgetting about this Saints team, A.R. I can't. With the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, Jared yeah. Cook catching nine touchdowns last mm-hmm. year. Kamara is fully healthy, even though we don't know if he's going to play or not. But he is fully healthy. Coming, He's a lot healthier than he was last year. I think I think Drew Brees is going to want to prove to the world that you know. Remember who I am, just because I'm older and Tom Brady's here. Don't forget. I think I would think Drew Brees wants all the smoke, like my boys from the Street Profits. So I'll go over. And one more here. So Baker Mayfield had 35 interceptions in the last two seasons in the league. Over under 14 and a half interceptions for him in 2020. You want to answer this first, CB? This is your, this is your guy. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, oh man, what do you think for a so- what do you think? It was a nightmare sophomore season. Uh, I'll go under AR. I think Stefanski yeah. will take the ball, may not out of his hands, but there will be less on his plate. I, I don't think there's going to be as much asked of him as there was last year. I'll take the under. I think they short up that offensive yeah, line, yeah. spent big money there. Um, no, this is it for for Baker. I'll yeah. roll with the under. I'll roll with the under too. I think we'll play the odds on that one. All right, nice little overrun. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Coming up next, from GetUp, our guy Hembo. He's prepared some stats that will dazzle the eye and illuminate the mind. That's next, Rothman and Ice on the fan. In case you haven't noticed, we have a thing about hiring former Buckeye linebackers. If we don't, they'll kill us. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The Fan. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back, Rothman and Ice. And we hook it up with our good friend, producer of Get Up on ESPN every morning, Paul Hembakitis, affectionately known as Hembo. Good to have you, pal. How you been? Uh, I'm doing well, man. I have to say, I think this is the first time that we have spoken since you found yourself a legitimate co-host. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, you know, right. my, my good my, my good friend my good friend Bobby Carpenter has been banished for the morning now he can get up he can do his 2000 jumping jacks he That's can pop the shower and, and, and do the radio it, show this is, this is, that was made for him right up his alley baby he loves it man <laughs> and by the way I don't think he sleeps still like I don't think it's not like just because he does a show at 6 in the morning um, that he has to go to bed early like he you know jump on 6 in the morning just Kind of uh, play a little hee haw, and he's ready to go, man. That guy's wired. Yeah, twenty four. I, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. My my alarm goes up at three forty five every day to to get up and produce get up. So I, I feel it's pain, but I'm, I'm glad that you're not carrying around that dead weight anymore. Absolutely. Well, great to have you. And as as everyone knows that listen to this show, you are a uh, a mountain of knowledge here. And it's you know when I saw the Tom Seaver situation, 
uh, and, and the fact that he passed. And there are a few names, you know, Nolan Ryan, Sandy Koufax. Like, there are some names that just define MLB and pitching. And Seaver was that guy, even for the young people, um, to know his journey late 69 to be able to steal that division from the Cubs, go on and win it, get a ticker tape parade in New York for the Mets, and then go through contractual disputes and then getting traded and winding up getting his 300th win as a White Sox back in New York, but this time in the Bronx. His story's pretty incredible. Where does he, in when you look, rank among the game's greats? There is, there is no credible list of the greatest pitchers of all time that does not include Tom Seaver. I, I, you mentioned to me today when we were going back and forth earlier, there, uh, Tom Seaver won 300 games. He struck out 3,000 batters, and he did so with a sub-three earned run average. The entire mm-hmm. list of players to do that are Tom Seaver and Walter Johnson. Walter Johnson is widely considered the greatest pitcher that ever lived, and he did so in the dead ball era. Now, I wouldn't argue that Tom Seaver is the greatest pitcher of the last 100 years, but if you did, I wouldn't tell you that you're wrong. Tom Seaver very much made the Mets a credible franchise. They were a joke before he arrived. But in two years, they went from losing 100 games to winning the World Series. Only one uh, team in baseball history had previously done that. And you mentioned Sandy Koufax, and you mentioned Nolan Ryan, and some of the other great pitchers in the history of the sport. And the note that I think best sort of distinguishes, distinguishes him as that is – in 1936, Ty Cobb received 98.5% of the Hall of Fame vote. That was the inaugural class, the first class. That is a record that stood until 1992 when Tom Seaver broke it. When you could, like, Obviously, the, the baseball writers are an imperfect electorate. We know that. But if you look at the group of players that received the highest percentage of the vote on their first time on the ballot, we're talking about a who's who of baseball history. And think of how many great players for 50-some years were elected to the Hall of Fame None of them broke Ty Cobb's record until Tom Seaver did. Wow. Wow. That's great stuff right there, Himbo. And sticking with pitching, man, here in Ohio every fifth day, you get to see Shane Bieber go out there on the mound and do his thing. And I'm sure in that Cleveland clubhouse they're chalking it up as win day. What have you seen? What have you got on Shane Bieber right now? (laughs) Well, um, I think it it would be fairly evident to say that Shane Bieber would be the front runner for the American League Cy Young Award. But I would take it a step further than that. In my judgment, Shane Bieber is the most valuable player in the American League. And if the season ended today, he would get my vote for both awards. And that isn't just because there hasn't been a singular standout position player in the American League. It's because Shane Bieber has legitimately been that good. We, we, people conflate the MVP award in a way that I'm not quite sure. It's pretty clear to me that it states it's the player that produced the most value. Shane Bieber has very clearly produced the most value of any player in the American League. He leads in, in all of these sort of advanced statistics that people like me like to cite, like wins above replacement and win probability added. The Indians are 7-1 and one in games in which he's pitched, and the game that they lost, he didn't allow a run. The, uh, he, he has generated 18 more strikeouts than any pitcher in baseball. He has uh, induced 30 more chases outside the zone than any pitcher in baseball. In other words, uh, no one's close. No one is close to matching Shane Bieber this year. The gap between he and every other pitcher is much, much larger than the gap between any position player and anybody else. So I think you're looking at the best player in the American League right now, regardless of position. He's almost single-handedly carrying this team to the, to the division title. And when we talked about uh, six weeks ago or so, 
I mentioned that I think the reason the Indians are the favorite to win that division is because of their first division players, the top-end players on that roster. And so far, those guys have carried that roster. Shane Bieber obviously being exhibit A. But I think we're selling him short and saying that he's the best pitcher in the American League. He's the best player in the American League and perhaps in all of baseball. Great stuff with Hembo here from Get Up ESPN, producer who has is just a walking stat monster. We, well, I agree with you on Bieber, that's for sure. And I, I know a lot of writers don't want to give the MVP award to pitchers, um, but when you have performances like this guy who goes out every single time, every single outing, and gives you not quality starts but elite starts, I agree. You have to consider him for MVP. The other guy who has given some great performances – early on in his career is Alvin Kamara. Now, we think that things have been a little quieted down in New Orleans about him getting a deal. He's not a workhorse, though. Like, he is really good on the team he's on, great skill, great pass-catching ability, making guys miss in space. Like, he is electric. But when it comes down to comparing him to the great backs of his era, does he deserve that money, that top three, top four, top five money? No, uh, because he's not a feature back. Now, the, the statistics indicate that he is still, if not the most elusive, among the most elusive running backs in the NFL. We can measure that by how often he breaks the tackle in relation to how many tackle attempts uh, against him. And he's, like, even last year, in his worst year by far, he still graded very favorably by that measure. But we're still remembering 2017, the year in which he sort of came out of nowhere with the world on fire, averaged nearly eight yards per touch. He was legitimately one of the best players at any position in the NFL as a rookie. But however you choose to measure it, uh, he's become much less efficient year over year. In 2019, he was fairly average. In in 2019, he averaged 5.3 yards a touch. Uh, Only 23% of his touches resulted in a first down or a touchdown. Those are pedestrian numbers. And if you're not going to be a workhorse, then you have to be wildly efficient. And last year, he was not. I would argue, and I'd be curious to your take because your team beat Bears in the playoffs, I would argue that the Saints lost that game to the Vikings the day they chose not to re-sign Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram was the missing piece on that team last year, and that departure clearly made Alvin Kamara uh, much less effective. And the running theory that I have on this doesn't just apply to Kamara. It applies to all running backs. But because fantasy has sort of taken over and we're so obsessed with it, and because running backs have to be drafted so high because of position scarcity, we, we view running backs, uh, we as in the, you know, the public at large, very differently, I think, than the inner uh, NFL circles. Like very Alvin much. Kamara, I bet you if you polled a lot of like, NFL executives and say, this is not a player who I would rank inside my top 100 in terms of the value that he provides, but fans don't see it that way. Uh, the comparison I would make is Melvin Gordon a year ago. We couldn't believe why the Chargers wouldn't pay him. And the reason we couldn't believe it is because he won us fantasy matchups. He won us fantasy mm-hmm. championships. Alvin Kamara is the same. Alvin Kamara, even two years ago, wasn't all that good. He just scored a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, that wasn't even the case last year. So I think the disconnect between the public and the sort of the NFL intelligentsia as it relates to running backs uh, applies here. And I think he's a perfect example of the chasm uh, between the two. He's a hammer. Ingram was a hammer. I agree. You, you need a little bit of that. And I, I said the same thing about what happened to the Bears. Not that Jordan Howard was great and he had some pass-catching blunders. But when, when you lose that hammer, um, it, it, it creates a whole different dynamic in that running back. I agree. Ingram was a five-yard per carry back, and it does make a difference. Uh, I agree with you very much on that. 
Go ahead, Maddie. Well, real quick, Hibbo, before we let you go, man, I just wanted to get your take on you know Leonard Fournette going to Tampa. There's a lot of weapons there, man. I know people are having their fantasy drafts, and there's more fantasy drafts to come, but where are you with the fit? Do you think that this could be a successful uh, new chapter for Leonard Fournette down there in Tampa? A very peculiar move for the Jags to cut him after a career year. He's 25 years old, and a few years ago we were talking about him like he was this generational running back prospect if i'm not mistaken like when he was we were talking about him like sitting out his junior season because it was going to hurt his draft stock like this is that kind of impressive in terms of his uh ability and he's still fairly young a little bit of wear and tear as far as the fit is concerned obviously it hurts uh, for his fantasy owners but this is a team that ranked 29th in the nfl last year in rushing average between the tackles that was an area clearly where they struggled now i don't know like how much that actually matters in today's nfl we just talked about you know the value of running backs and i think you probably, you know, relate that argument here somewhat. But when you when you just add Leonard Fournette to what is an incredibly stacked group of uh, skill position players, the, the the expectations on this team just have to be enormous. I mean, this is the, that was the, the legitimately the only hole um, on that offense was the fact that they just only had Ronald Jones and we just weren't obsessed with the running back room. But it's hard to argue that any team has a better collection of receivers or tight ends than theirs does. And now they have someone who's coming off of a year in which he rushed for a thousand yards and caught 76 balls. So it's going to, obviously it's incumbent on Bruce Arians and on Byron Leftwich to sort of make all this work. I'm highly skeptical to be candid uh, in all this coming together, at least right away. They are my favorite to win the division, but we've seen these things before guys. Like we've seen these uh, quote unquote dream teams not come together at all, especially in year one. I'm an Eagles fan. So uh, it was about t- 10 or 12 years ago where we, you know, sort of made that failed experiment coming out of the lockout year. I think it was 2011, uh, the, lo- the lockout year. This doesn't feel like that to me because I have more trust in, in Brady. I have trust in Arians. But a- as, a, as a rule, this stuff doesn't quite work. And in a compromised offseason, I would understand those who say, I'm going to trust the continuity that the Saints have with Breeze and Peyton and Carmichael going back more than a decade more than this sort of uh, collection of misfit toys coming together in year one without any preseason games. Talking with Hembo, producer for Get Up on ESPN. All right, final 20 seconds. You're not going to get a lot of time to think about this. You are not allowed to give us any trivia today. We had that set in stone. It was all good stuff. I am going to give you a trivia question. You ready? <laughs> okay. You, you and Maddie, you can both jump in real fast. No, don't loop me into this. All we right, just give him a taste right, of his own right, we'll gang up on Hembo. You're right. Let's gang up on Hembo. I got no problem with that. All right. We talk, I was talking about Cam Newton earlier and coming off the Liz Frank injury and how much running means to him. I believe, and I think I've double-checked this, you can triple-stamp it, that there have been only three quarterbacks in history that have rushed over 500 yards in a season after age 30. Who are they? Three, three quarterbacks after age 30, 500 yards. I'm going to guess, off the top of my head, Randall Cunningham. I'm going to guess uh, Michael Vick. And I'm going to guess... Steve McNair. Uh, you are one for three, I believe. Ah. You got Michael Vick. The other ones would be Steve Young, who be, actually became a starter at the age of 30, and I think he ran for uh, that at age 37. And then Rich Gannon at age 35 mm. with the Raiders. Wow. <laughs> well, well uh, Gannon was not a miss for me, but Steve Young is – it was Steve Young's rushing quarterback rushing touchdown record that Cam Newton broke, if I'm not mistaken. So I will say that is a bad myth for me. Um, I, I, we, we're, you know, your listeners are obviously used to that on this show. Yeah, I, I, I do believe he ran for 537 yards in 92 when he would have been 31. 
So there you go. So All right, how, there under, you go. If I set that over under at 500, if I set that over under on 500 for Cam Newton this year, are you taking the over or the under? I'm taking the under. I'm going under. It's only been done three times in history. I'm not taking it with a guy coming off Liz Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, fair enough, Doctor Rothman. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> All right, Hembo, you can you can confirm my work, and then if you if you think it checks out, feel free to use it somewhere along the line. Okay, I, I will make sure to cite you, Doctor Rothman. Right. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yes, that's right. All right, brother. Great talking with you, man. Be well. Later, bud. That's awesome. Said, Paul Hembikitis, Hembo from ESPN, producer of Get Up. All right, we come back. We do a Buckeye Bulletin. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you miss a Buckeye game, it's because your radio is in tune to the right place. Always and forever, your home for the Buckeyes. The fan. Ohio sports destiny. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the heat? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train systems, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, Buckeye Bolton time. Maddie uh, Devin Smith's NFL career hits another speed bump. Uh, being cut by the Cowboys, the former Buckeye is, that according to the Dallas Morning News. This was going to be a tough time for him to make that roster. We've talked about it. This is no surprise to me with Gallup and then drafting CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and the rest. They were clearly ahead of him. Um, and so you go all the way back. The Jets took him, 37th pick overall in 2015, and he was kind of a prospective guy then with a really good future. And now five years later, uh, only 15 catches on his resume. This could be the end of the line, although depending on – you know, the battle of attrition in the NFL, you never know when someone's going to need someone, but yeah. he is looking for a new home. Yeah, especially you never know, AR, when, you know, a team is going to need his specific skill set, which is a blazer, right? Get behind the defense, make big plays, had pretty good game last year, you know, just a handful of games with Dallas. Last year did catch three balls for 74 yards and a touchdown against Washington, so he got after a divisional opponent there, but I think you nailed it, man, off the top when you started breaking this down. It's all the other guys that he stacked up against, and they've invested so much uh, in that wide receiver room, whether that's you know draft capital or the coin that they paid Amari Cooper, so it was an uphill battle for him, but when you can run, man, you can play for a while. Ted Ginn, Deshaun Jackson, these guys are still playing in the league, so maybe that could open up a job for him. Uh, former Buckeye Damon Arnold. By the way, Noah Brown's on that team, isn't he on? On, on Dallas? I would have to Another check their depth. He is, right. yes. Yeah. Okay, still hanging he, on. Although he okay. might be injured, too. We've got to check on that. But you're right, it's loaded. Damon Arnett, the other uh, former Buckeye, great training camp. Rookie corner was given a big vote of confidence when they cut the veteran Prince of Mukamara. And yeah. this would have our net right there as starting across from Mullen. Uh, Gruden's been saying we didn't draft these guys to sit them on the sideline. We want them to play. Yeah. Well, that may have hit a little speed bump as well going into the season, which is right around the corner here. Our net has a broken thumb now. Uh, now he's in a cast. We don't know exactly how much this will hinder his play. He's played with this before in college with a, with a cast or a uh, what they call the club hand. Yeah, last year. Human Q-tip. Yeah. Right, so 
his ability uh, to be as effective certainly will be hindered. But when you play two months of your senior season with a club on your hand, then he had surgery on it, end up missing just one game all season. He's a tough dude. He'll be able to play through it. How effective he'll be in the NFL, we don't know. That's what they'll weigh. Do they have a better option? A guy with two hands cast free? Yeah. Or whether they feel he is still the better option with the cast. Yeah, look, I remember AR. This was kind of one of those first whoa moments during the draft, right? Where old Raj is down there in the basement mm-hmm. doing what he does. You know, a lot of people were surprised uh, by this pick in the same way they were surprised yep. going back to the uh, the draft before where they took Cleveland Farrell the top five. So, look, they've got their own plan. The Raiders do. Uh, Mayox, I've read that he loves getting guys from, quote, winning programs. They are. So you come down to Columbus, that's definitely one of those. And it's good that he's off to a good start. This just stinks that he's already nicked up. But, uh, you know, you would have to think that the job will be his when he comes back, and uh, he'll be a guy that can potentially shut down Pat Mahomes and company in that division. It's a tough ask, but that's why they drafted him. They need help back there. Well, that's it. And Mayock and Gruden, if, if they're right about him, which we believe they will, then they're going to get praised for it. If he doesn't work out, then it's going to be very, very easy to criticize that pick as a huge reach. So we don't know whether... Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Time is going to tell whether Damon Arnett was the right pick at number 19 overall. Uh, We'll see if he can start his season, though, with this injury. That is today's Buckeye Bulletin. All right, up next, SportsCenter Update, top of the hour. We go into the deep dive. We'll give you the latest on what the Big Ten could be thinking. Is this going to be the week they either dig in or open it back up? We'll let you know the latest next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. Welcome back. Third hour of the program. Rothman and Ice. Fan Studios, sponsored by Lindsay Honda. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. Anthony Rothman, Matty ICB at the switches today. All right, what's the latest in the Big Ten? Well, the latest report from our guy Dave Biddle and Bucknuts is there could be a revote, a new taking of the temperature of the presidents. I'm not sure what type of thermometer they're going to be using. You can use your imagination. But there could be something as early as Friday, tomorrow. Now, how much has truly changed since the Big Ten released that there was a vote of 11-3 to cancel the fall season? and other fall sports, which took place on August 11th. How much has changed tangibly? We know how much has changed in the optics, whether it's been the players, coaches, parents, threatening of lawsuits, hashtags, we want to play, let them play, free the Big Ten. There's been a lot. And then the tip of it was President Trump calling up Kevin Warren. And we know where what motivation is behind that, and there's motivation on both sides, which I mentioned last week, about using this for political advantage. So we get to this point, Maddie, where the rallies and whatever else, I, I believe that the lawsuits, 
the lawsuit by the Nebraska players for transparency, for discovery. They want documents. We need more information. We want documents that relate to your decision-making process. We want to know what's being said in there. These public universities and these presidents determining the future of their athletes and their programs. I think that is what has motivated the Big Ten to, quote, reconvene on this. What's really changed? I don't know from a confidence factor. I can't really speak to that. I do believe that when they look around now and they have a chance to revisit it when they see these leagues starting up, and it, it'll be – it'll be trust me, if they open it up, it, they're going to get those hard questions like, well, what do you know now that you didn't know on August 11th? Is it just a feeling? Is it the backlash? Is it the public relations problem? Is it liability? Are you more comfortable yeah. with that now? Like They're going to face a million questions, just like they should have going in when they cancel. Yeah, no, and so 100%. that's kind of where we stand on, on what's going to happen. We could hear something as early as tomorrow. Yeah, that that would be, you know, it's, and there's a lot of people right now that have their fingers crossed and they're on pins and needles and rightfully so because um the fact that we're even back to this conversation it's it's huge. It's big time. And we talked about it yesterday with the president and you know Kevin Warren and that whole conversation, you know, tweets came out of that that it was encouraging or whatever, you know, the phrasing was that was used. Um sure, but we don't know what medical information was discussed. We don't know, you know, how much Kevin Warren was really digging in on the information that they have or what, you know, vice versa, whatever the case was. Uh, that to me is the biggest part of all this, whether those, you know, presidents went to bed last night, woke up this morning, talked to new you know, medical experts, and now they have a change of heart. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish we had inf- more information, but that's been the whole case this entire time is that we on the outside looking in have been questioning so much and that shouldn't have been the case. And that's why all the parties that you mentioned, whether it's the coaches, the players, the parents and all of that have been digging in so much because of all the other things surrounding the Big Ten as far as football goes. And heck, there's a lot of people frustrated right here in Ohio. Because we've got high school games being played. We've got college mm-hmm. games that are going to be on TV tonight that are being played. Mm-hmm. And they're looking around saying, well, wait a minute. If they can pull it off, why can't we? It was the timing of the decision and all that that added to the frustration. But now I do think with the information that is out there, whether that be rapid testing or you want to ramp up the test per week, whatever the case is, it's new information. Obviously, they had to reconsider. I just don't know, AR, if they have enough information to go back on the way that they voted already. I think that's just a real thing that you got to bring to the table, even though we may not want to hear that, that even though this new stuff is out there, it may not be enough. I'm hoping that it's enough. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that next week when we hop on the air, AR, that we can start talking about Ohio State this, this versus this team or that team, whatever. Like, I hope we get to that. But they have been digging in so much on the medical stuff and myocarditis, and we talked about it earlier with the information that was thrown out there from what a Penn State doctor, I believe, or part of their medical team that you know, what thirty to their director 35%. of athletic medicine uh, yeah. had his report that said the MRI scans revealed around thirty to thirty-five percent of Big Ten athletes who test positive for COVID nineteen appeared to have myocarditis. Okay, which is the inflammation I can't, of the heart muscle. Nobody knows. I can't uh, where, put where he, in that. Where right. he, well, no, I, well, you can, but you wouldn't be an expert to do it. And right, I that's what I'm I. saying. Right. Yeah, I can't right. I can't go down that road. I, I don't know enough on the medical front, and that's why we just have to sit here and kind of you know, trust these people, if you want to use that word, on what, what's being thrown out there. But I, I do think, A.R., the fact that 
I've gone from at least this thing seems to be done. Let's take it out of the oven and slice it. But whoa, wait, hold on, wait a minute. We may need a little bit more time to cook this thing. And I know you've been holding out of that one percent, and now that's definitely grown. Um, mm. It's just going to be interesting, man, because like we've been touching on, uh, some of these presidents, I'm sure, were scared based off the information they got about myocarditis and other things involved in that. And I think I that's know, when the, they use yeah. the word uncertainty. That's mm-hmm. what he meant. I, I think honestly, I think that's what he meant. I think. But what's certain talk, now? You know, that's what, what can, I, and that's what that's, that's the question. What I, right. That's it. It's so complicated. Like anytime you bring up medical stuff, one doctor says this, another doctor is going to disprove it. Like there, this right. is going to happen. It's going to happen with guess what? It's going to happen with people playing doctor on Twitter, former athletes, coaches. Regular fans, like everyone suddenly has a degree um, in cardiac cardiac medicine. Like everyone somehow, and I'm not saying there aren't people that know more than others. There are. But I don't know if we're ever going to get to a definitive deal on. First of all, when you throw out the phrase long-term ramifications, it's exactly what it means. No one knows. Right. That's why it's long-term. Yep. And it's not everyone. Some will have to look at what's happening with the virus anyway. Some get it, feel perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Some get it, have to go to the hospital. Like yeah. now, certain age ranges, certain precondition, uh, you know, pre-problem people that have issues that are immune compromised. Certainly, they're in a risk group, a very big one. Mm-hmm. But that's why, on the outset of this, the Big Ten can still come with the uncertainty line. They could do that if they want to. And some of these presidents may cling to that. They may cling to that I don't have enough to reverse what my original vote is other than the backlash from the fans. Like that we're not gonna we're not gonna I'm not gonna bend to that. Yeah. There may be some that were closer to the middle that were spooked in on August eleventh, that now early in September, they've either done more research, talked to more people, listened to more experts, maybe they feel more confident moving forward. I don't know if any of them are going to get crazy confident when it comes to this question about liability and, God forbid, some player does get sick or has a heart problem. I don't know if it's 100% that everyone's going to recover, everyone's going to be fine, and certainly on the other side, there isn't any big percentage that says, oh, they're all going to get sick and go to the hospital or they're all going to have long-term heart problems. Like, there's nothing there. I think this has always been about airing on the overcautious side for the presidents because of the, I said it to you months ago, the one kid, not 10 or 20 or 30, or the That's whole it. program having to be on a ventilator. I'm talking about the one kid. And so we are in a very, very interesting time, whether they open this thing up based on that they've just had the backlash, they've had other conferences go, they're seeing other sports do it, they're seeing lesser levels do it, like you said, high school, it doesn't mean that it's right. I keep coming back to, I mean, it could be. It could be. We're living in a world where it's risky. They take risks when they go on the field. They do, all of them. And so, clearly, Ohio State and most of the parents of these players want them to go. Like, I haven't heard one, I haven't heard from any parents, have you or at least seen it on social media, it says, nope, too scary for my son, don't want him to play. 
I I have I haven't seen that. What I've seen are comments from you know parents involved from these universities that just want answers. That's what they want. They want clarity. They they don't you know obviously they want to play, but they want to know the why, how you got to that reason, and you know whether they are waiting for the SEC or the ACC to get a couple weeks in. I don't know if that's the answer that we want to hear because why can't you look at you know, these other colleges that are playing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Central Arkansas, are they play tonight at 8 p.m. This is going to be their second game. I mean, this is their second game, and you're telling me you can't look at these other conferences or high school, whatever, look at that information. That's not enough information. It can be done. It can be done. It's early. That doesn't mean they're going to get through their whole season. But what I do know is, like I just mentioned, there's a college football program that's playing their second game tonight. And like you said, you got high school games being played, so it just it doesn't make them look good. And it doesn't make them mean they're wrong, but it just doesn't make them look good right now that what they were kind of hinting at can't be done or needs to be delayed for us to figure it out is being done right in front of our faces. And when we get to, if we get to a couple weeks away, week one, and we're, you know, we got Gary Daniels and all these guys on national TV calling these games and we're sitting back and the Buckeyes aren't playing, right, at least initially, that's another blow. They just need to clarify all of this, man. Like, that's all it is. It should be I'll, too murky. Yeah. I'll tell you this. If I'm a president... If I want to find a reason to not play, I could come up with one. If I wanted to find a reason to go, I can come up with one. I think both sides still have worthy concern and worthy risk-taking procedures. Like I think on both sides. I think Ohio State has always felt like they were in a position to be able to do it and to mitigate it and not let it infiltrate the walls of their program and protect mm-hmm. the kids. Now, Dennis Dodd of CBS yep. just tweeted, multiple sources, no immediate plan for Big Ten presidents to meet to consider fall start to a season. In fact, one of his sources said October 10th ain't happening. Now, this yeah. goes to what I told you yesterday, which my gut opinion was that you wouldn't get a snap back. Which is like, fine. Which that, is fine. which I always thought was fine. Yeah, I was always fine. in the I was always in the camp of when you killed the first month of the year, you should have used it. Now, I the people that said, well, the reason they moved it up was because they wanted to build in flexibility into their schedule. And I could understand that. Like that there was a mm-hmm. that that you, the delay was I thought the move, that the reason that the schedule came out when it was was to give them flexibility later. We heard Gene Smith say that, and that was something where they felt like if they could start on time and build in more bye weeks and chances for flexibility, that would give them a better chance to finish the season. I wasn't in that camp. I was always in the camp of buy as much time as you can, but I understood why people wanted to jam in some games if they could get them in. And then if you had to shut down for a week or two, you could do it and still feel like you had a season to go. But with this stuff from Dennis Dodd, it just it reconfirms my gut feeling, which is that they have a little time to examine more evidence. This is because if they snap back and take a vote now, it's gone to a place where you and I have said for the last couple of days, how much has changed since August eleventh? How much? Don't wouldn't you rather have more time to see more but, evidence? Yeah. And to it be just, more confident? It seems like and I could be way off of that. It seems like the Big Ten may want to wait 
because they, I think they're hoping that it goes left, meaning the other conferences. Like that's, I, and I may be off on that. I think they're waiting back to see a couple weeks and for this. Yeah. They don't want anything bad to happen, but they want to sit back and say, "I told you so. We were right. We were right." And that's fine. Whatever. If they want to push the timeline back, okay, whatever. My problem with this whole process is all this random information. Like it's just so confusing for everyone because and i'm not blaming the people that are relaying the information because they might be getting information from people that have different agendas than these other presidents or whoever they're talking to so it's all a game that's being played but this to me is why it's so frustrating because the the part where it says no immediate plan for big 10 presidents to meet to consider false sport uh false start to a season why not why not? What what are we waiting on? Like, why do we have to continue to wait? And I think it's because they want to sit back and say, we were right. We were right. That's just my gut on this, on the delay part. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to get better. Maybe the delay part is the testing. Maybe, you know, to make sure, and to make sure every school in the Big Ten is under the exact same protocols, that they will follow the exact same deal. And that way, when you line up to play that team, you feel as confident in their program as you do in your own. And that's okay. the other reason to make sure that everyone is falling in line. And the first bit of news we need is, are these presidents really feeling confident? That Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. They could change their mind. Because I wouldn't want to vote tomorrow if nothing has changed, or a straw vote, like, eh. Like, I'd rather have them take a little more time and, and examine some stuff if they're really going to come forward with another vote. All right, we've got to take a break, Maddie. Um, save that thought, and we'll do a little truth next as well. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Every time Common Man starts to yell, there's always a chance he strokes out. So that's something, I guess. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, knock him down, bud. All right, so yesterday you two talked about your fantasy draft so much, so I might as well just start off with a question about that. So who is your my guy this year, a guy that you are not leaving the draft without? Vontae back, no matter what. Um, Boy, you know, this usually goes to something personal. I know for Maddie, it's got to line up, though. See, I think you and I are too competitive. I'm not going to just reach for a guy just to have him. Like, I can't. I am. What, Dobbins? Okay, fine. I know you're taking Dobbins. How, you're how can I not? You're not taking him at 10. Of course not. How can I not take J.K. Dobbins officially in the draft? A guy that's probably, he's going to be a stud. I, I look at both situations in Indy and Baltimore, very similar. Look, Mark Ingram, Marlon Mack, good players. Mm-hmm. Mark Ingram's better than Marlon Mack. I get it. But these two young cats, man, they're taking over the jobs. Like Harbaugh and Frank Reich, they're not going to be able to deny it. It's just not going to happen. So I'll, I'm sorry to cut you off. You're, you knew no, where no. I was going anyway. Uh, of um, course but I did. J.K. all day in the black and purple. He's got to be on my fantasy team. He's All right. But you, you're, the point is, where are you going to take him? With your second pick? Because he'll be gone if you win. No, I don't think he'll be gone. I don't think there's a lot of people that have that much faith in, our in league? him like, like I do. I don't think so. Look, oh, maybe. we're reading all sorts of big stuff on Jay Harbaugh saying it. It's it's out there, buddy. He's no sleeper anymore. I'm just telling you how I feel about it, man. 
I know, but I'm trying to pin you down on where you're going to take it. I don't know. I, I don't know because you nailed it. I'm with you. I would have to map this thing out and be somewhat smart about it. But, yeah, I'm not leaving the draft without J.K. Not doing it. it this, is, this comes to me whether I can wait and get a guy. Like, I, I don't know. I'd love to have Adam Thielen back. I'd love to have him back again. I know that without digs, people, you know, you had a down year. Um, all of a sudden, he's getting to an age where people think he's got back problems, and that's not a good recipe. But for me, it's about those big time, you know, his targets are going to go way up, and he's so solid. I know I'm going to get uh, probably double digit touchdowns out of him. Give me Adam Thielen. Just find out right now today is true. All right, so the Timberwolves Wolves could be open to trading the number one pick. Something that LaMelo Ball should be going in that number one spot. So which team would you like to see deal with LeVar Ball next year? No. <laughs> Nobody. Have the, Sun, have the, have the Suns welcomed him? Are they all tight now? I thought that family was a little fractured. They parted ways with the, you know, the, the what is it, the BBB? I forgot now, the big baller brand. Yeah. They, there's not a lot of LeVar happening yeah, right I don't now. Yeah, I don't think you get the Faja if you get the Sun anymore. Uh, I think no. that was all with the other, with Lonzo. I'm with you. That, that's the vibe that I'm getting to AR. I got a team for you. I'll throw out the yeah. Phoenix Suns. The Suns, we talk, I mean, there was a lot of talk about them. They were down in the bubble. They played well. Some people thought that they were going to sneak in to the playoffs. They were running out there. Ricky Rubio at point guard. They've got their cornerstone franchise player in Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton finally turned it on. I think if you get Lamelo, who I think is going to be a good player, despite you know all the distraction mm-hmm. from his pops, I think he is going to be a good player. You get him running that offense, AR, I think that it's worth it for them to trade up from where they are to go up there and get old Lamelo. I think he's uh, I think he's Dub City, buddy. Golden Ooh. State. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh huh. Yeah, I think that's it. I I know that. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I like it. They, I think they want they want that kid. They want a want a backup point. I I think that he's their guy. I think that's the easiest option for Golden State, and uh, I'll go with the GS Warriors. You can't handle the truth. All right, all right. Let's get one more in here. So Tampa's addition of Leonard Fournette makes the backfield a little bit crowded with Ronald Jones and LaShawn McCoy still there. How do you think Arians devised the touches in 2020? Hey, make sure you ask your Halloween one tomorrow. That, that's good. We got to get to that one tomorrow. But to answer this question, I saw B.A., Bruce Arians, come out today, A.R., after we got done talking about Fournette, saying Ronald Jones is still the guy. Okay, that, that's yeah. fine. To me, that that's coach speak. He isn't going to crown Fournette before he even has done anything in practice. I think it should go Fournette and then whoever else after that. I don't really care for any of their backs. I mentioned it earlier. They weren't that good anyway last year. I think Fournette will win the job, so I think he should be the lead back. I mean, is McCoy even going to make the team? Right, exactly. No? Right. I right, mean, he may, right. he may be the one that's uh, expendable. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? Listen, right. Fournette owned the Jayville backfield. There was nobody else. He won't own this one, but he's going to own the early downs. I usually go with a 50-50 lemon lime. Ooh, 50-50. But I'm going to go 60-40 oh. Fournette-Jones on the split. Okay. Gumbawale can catch some passes. They, they drafted that kid, Keyshawn Vaughn, who I guess has not had a good camp. So give me 60-40 Fournette-Jones. That's Himbo, he touched on it there. I don't know how you feel, but all these offenses they are that are just cramming dudes into there, just cram. They have more jam. talent, more cram, talent. jam, <laughs> more crease, crumple, cram. I don't know if it just works. It happens in sports, whether it's football or basketball or whatever. You just get all the guys on paper. It looks phenomenal. 
But I don't know. I'm not just talking about Tampa. I'm talking mm-hmm. about Dallas. And we saw it with the Brownies. Now, a lot of that was, you know, maybe Freddie Kitchen or whatever. But that was another team that was loaded offensively going into the last year, and it didn't work out. I just can't wait to see how this trend goes because I looked at your team or looking at your team over the last couple of years, and there hasn't been an overcomplication of the formula. It's Dalvin Cook, Thielen, and Diggs. That was it. Now, you look at Tampa – we can go through the names, and all those guys, I think, deserve looks and touches throughout a game. So uh, yeah. tough to manage, no doubt. I think Godwin will be a guy that – I think he'll be – don't you think he'll be the first one to go, though? You mean, oh, out of Tampa? Yeah, I mean for the fantasy. Oh, man. Uh, wow. that they, I would think so, yeah. I would think so because I still don't know. Tommy, Maybe, loves, Tommy loves slot. He does, and he loves those tight ends. That That's for sure, but – yeah, there's got to be an odd man out. That's what I'm saying. Who is that guy? Is it Mike Evans? <laughs> like that dude's a stud, right? Like all of these guys are really good players. And Tom, when he yeah. drops back, it's so much in front of your face, you just don't know how it looks. And that's why for fantasy, it can become with complicated. Tom, with Tom, I think it's Godwin. I just, just I feel that. I don't know where he'll go. Maybe I'll maybe I'll grab him on the swing around. You don't know. It, well, yeah, maybe it's just maybe he's a guy who won't leave the draft with CB. Maybe I just picked another one. Godwin. And real quick, I am fully supporting Alvin Kamar this year because you and Himbo just showing him no love. I couldn't hop in there. I Wait, let you what? guys have it. You guys don't think he's a bell cow back, and I do. No, 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 no. We think he's – I think he's an elite talent on that team. I don't know if I can pay him like a workhorse 275-touch uh, dude – out of the backfield. He's a what great receiver. You... He's got a great quarterback. He's a great talent. He makes guys miss. I love him. I absolutely love him as a talent. You know that. This is probably the first selfie ever took was with Alvin <laughs> up at the Mall that of America. Happen. That happened. Um, yeah, that, that did happen. happen. And so no, I'm 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 good with uh, okay. with him. I just it's it's more about the money. He's an extreme talent. But if you so put you're him on not... another team, like put on another team with another quarterback and not out of a dome, like you kind of wonder is he a fourteen million dollar dude? I think it's no. It's a no brainer for me. It's a no-brainer for me. Like, I I feel so good handing him. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. The same contract Joe Mixon just got. All right. Different backs, great talents. Different teams. You can you can arrive at the same conclusion. To me, I guess the team, doesn't, the, to, to me, the team doesn't matter as much. I think you could put him anywhere, and I think he'd be a baller. Uh, ben Baby's a baller. Covers the Bengals for ESPN. He'll jump on next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Head to 971thefan.com to listen on demand and subscribe to all our podcasts. Wasting time has never been easier. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Um, You're home for hockey and hounds. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. About ready to kick this NFL season off fairly soon, and we have Ben Baby on, who covers the Bengals for ESPN. Ben, good to have you. Hey, how's everything going? Doing okay. I think everyone's excited to get a glimpse of the future in Cincinnati. And I guess I would ask it that way. Are we looking for a glimpse of the future, or do you think we're going to see a glimpse of the present? You think the Bengals could surprise some people this year? I'll ask you that first. And then after you answer that, we can kind of dive into maybe what your biggest uh, question marks for them are. 
Yeah, you know, I understand the hype about around Joe Burrow and, and what exactly, um, you know, what everyone sees, uh, you know, when you look at what he did at 2019 at LSU and the situation he's stepping into. But I think you have to remember he's still a rookie at the end of the day, and I still think the Bengals are a year away from really competing for a playoff berth. I mean, you're talking about a team that was 2-14 and 14, uh, last season. And so I just think that for, for them to go – uh, to a playoff contender off of that season is just too much. And it's not just that, you know, the, the win-loss record. I still think that there's some rebuilding that needs to be done. And it's just too great of a task to happen uh, over one offseason. Ben, I want to ask you about, you know, a guy that we didn't get to see last year and I think would have been an important piece of what they want to do, and that's Jonah Williams. The offensive line, it was rough for them a year ago, but the progress of Jonah Williams uh, from what you're hearing and what you've been seeing or what you've been able to see, how, how's that been going for him? You know, I think Jonas looked pretty good for the most part. I mean, he's, you know, I watched him in the SEC when he was at Alabama, my previous job, and, you know, I thought he was incredibly impressive. And so I just, I think that that's kind of the case, and I think he'll end up being the guy they thought he was. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's going to be, they're going to be in pretty good shape. I mean, they've been looking for a guy to fill that void since Andrew Whitworth left, and, you know, they've been kind of been playing musical chairs for the most part. So, I think that's going to be the, you know, I, I think Jonah's going to fit in really well, and that's going to be a big piece of this rebuild moving forward. Ben Baby with us from ESPN, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals. Let me take you back to Burrow just quickly here. And I know they didn't have a preseason, and everyone thinks, oh, wow, that's for a rookie dude. This is going to come very fast for him. But could it be a little bit of a wash, Ben, depending on no fans in the stands or very few fans in the stands, these road games that he will have to go on um, where you'd normally go into big, hostile environments, that would, that's going to be uh, dialed back down. How do you think that will affect him in a positive way? You know, first off, I think there's nothing more nothing more hostile than playing in the SEC. I mean, having been in those atmospheres, that that's the you know I've been to Buffalo, I've been to some of these other places, Cleveland, you know, Baltimore, but really nothing is like you know a game day in the SEC. And if you can play well in that environment, you can play well just about anywhere. So I don't think that's going that would have been a big factor for him. I think the biggest thing is just that that acclimation to uh, the NFL is really. The, the issue when when you talk about you know the the passing windows and the speed of the game and all of that I think that's really the the issue so you know and, and Joe's not going to have any preseason games to to kind of get his feet wet so you know all of that's going to be a, a factor and I think it's going to he'll have his good moments but I think there are going to be some growing pains it's not just going to be uh, what you saw last year immediately at the NFL. Been big time addition for Cincinnati this offseason was DJ Reader, you know, big time nose tackle coming over from Houston. Is he living up to expectations so far? And how do you see him, you know, fitting in along that defensive line? It's been pretty good. Yeah, you know, I think he'll do fine. It's not, DJ is really going to be, um, you know, they, they got him and they thought he was one of the best nose tackles in the NFL. And that's why, you know, they signed him to what they did. But, you know, my question along the defensive line is can they create pressure? I think that's really the big issue, um, and can they consistently get off the edge? And so I think DJ Reader's a good addition, but really the X factors for me are, are Carl Lawson and Carl and uh, and Sam Hubbard, their two defensive ends. I think they've got to be able to consistently bring um, you know pressure off the edge, and if they're able to do that, and Reader's able to free up the middle, you can't see the kind of dividends you're hoping for when you sign a guy of Reader's caliber and at that price tag. Uh, the secondary, your confidence there as we hit a couple of position groups here on the, on the defensive side with the second cornerback starter and the linebacker starters. 
Yeah, you know, that's going to be a, a big question mark, you know, at the beginning of the year uh, when they signed Trey Waynes, who's the other mm-hmm. big um, big pickup. You know, they thought that was going to be a big uh, addition for the secondary. Then he goes down with his pectoral surgery um, and now is out indefinitely. Um, you know, that's going to be a, a big factor. They're going to have to replace him. They don't have Drake or Patrick. You know, they let him go because they had Waynes, and now they're going to have a replacement-level player trying to fill in. And, well, you've had some guys, you know, do, you know, fill in admirably at camp. I don't think we're really going to know what that's going to look like until we get to the season. I think that's definitely uh, a major question mark, especially at that opposite cornerback uh, from William Jackson. Heading back to offense for me, Ben, and we're talking to Ben Baby covers the Bengals for ESPN. We know the pecking order. I think we can assume what the pecking order is going to be at the top of the wide receiver room. Probably AJ and then Tyler Boyd um, following him. But that third wide receiver between John Ross, T. Higgins, Alden Tate, somebody you can sleep on. Um, is there a favorite right now to kind of be that third that third wide receiver? You know, that, that's a great question. And, and I think because of what's happened with John Ross this offseason between, you know, being, being a little nicked up and then his, his, his uh, son and his son's mother contracting COVID, uh, which caused him to leave camp, you know, that creates an interesting situation. And, and Mike Thomas is a guy who's looked really good. Uh, Auden Tate, like you said, has had a really good training camp. I thought he's, he's looked phenomenal, and I think he can be a big asset uh, for Joe Burrow. And, you know, I, I'm very curious to see what this is going to look like for them moving forward. Because of, you know, like you said, there, there are a lot of options and that wide receiver unit's probably the deepest on the entire roster. So, you know, we'll see what happens, uh, there. I think that's still gonna, you know, honestly, we may figure that out tonight whenever the team has their, their quote unquote mock game. You know, we may get a glimpse of who that wide receiver three is gonna be for them. And, you know, whoever that is, I imagine they'll get plenty of targets. And, you know, I think they feel good about whoever that's gonna be, whether it's Ross, Higgins, uh, Thomas or Tate. All right, Ben, let me ask you, you know, got the mix-in deal. So, you know, we were looking at potentially this being an audition year for Joe Mixon for another team. If he didn't get the deal, he gets the nice, big workhorse deal. And what are your, I guess, hopes for how they will infiltrate him in the offense now with Burrow, maybe more pass catching, not just the workhorse back? Do you anticipate that? I don't, that's a good question, you know, and I've gotten mixed reactions from from the coaching staff as to how that's going to look like moving forward. You know, when you look at, when you look at Joe Mixon, he's a guy who loves being downhill. He loves, um, you know, having the ball, you know, in, in the, in his hands, you know, having an upfield blocker, being in, in passing situation or in, in, you know, run heavy, you know, personnel packages. That's kind of his bread and butter. And I think, you know, really he's going to have to, you know, he showed the ability in college to be able to be a good, uh, Good, good pass catcher, and I think he needs to, you know, probably lean towards that a little bit more. The Bengals need to use him in that capacity. I mean, you look at how the NFL is going, and it's great to have that versatility at running back, and it gives you just that much a more dynamic offense, which is kind of what Zach Taylor is doing. And when you saw the usage of Todd Gurley in L.A. when Taylor was on staff in 2018, um, you know, Gurley caught the ball a ton. I think that's what you need from Joe to get the most out of his contract. And, you know, we had the whole McKenzie Alexander situation, which was a very, very, you know, tough situation when you read some of the details. But, you know, his father was found and everything. From what I saw, he's been back at Bengals practice. Everything clear from the league and everything. Is he good to go? What's what's the latest on his availability and everything for McKenzie Alexander? 
Yeah, you know, right now we haven't heard anything in regards to McKenzie you know, being suspended. Uh, Zach Taylor said that they're not looking at disciplining him given everything that's happened and, and his lawyer, you know, between his father, you know, given what happened during his father's disappearance and his battery arrest, you know, stemming from that, they, they said they plan on pleading not guilty. So we may, we may see what happens with that case and how that plays out. But if there's going to be any discipline, it's going to come from the NFL and that still remains yet to be seen. Uh, and, and if Alexander can play and can be, uh, you know, on the field starting on week one, I think he has a chance to be a, a very underrated signing for them because that slot corner position is, is one of strength. And, and he, you know, has played pretty well when he's been out there in camp. And so I think he has a ton of potential. It's just a matter of what that's going to look like and how the scheme is going to look uh, in 2020. All right, Ben, we'll end on this one. It looks like Vegas had the over-under on wins for Cincinnati at five and a half. You going over or under? I'm I'm barely taking the over. I think a six and ten year is probably what's best for them. I, I still think that they're. I know some people are are being overly optimistic and thinking seven and nine or even eight and eight. I just think that's a little too much to ask. And you know, I think that over under is probably right on the money. And you know, I think if you're Zach Taylor, I, I think a six one season is probably what you're looking for because it'll show that you're um you know going into being a uh, you know you're looking at that window opening really in 2021. And so I think that's kind of what's best for them. And so you know, I think if they hit that six win mark, you're, you're you're showing progress and you know anything below that you know you're really looking at okay you know you're starting to ask bigger questions and that is you know whether what you is Zach Taylor the guy you're looking for and is Burrow the quarterback that you need and is this team in the position that you you want it to be as you go into your theoretical every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The playoff window. Ben, great stuff, man. Thanks for the season preview. I know we'll be reaching out again soon. Take care. Hey, sounds good. Y'all take care. Thanks, Ben. Ben Baby, ESPN, covering the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, NFL two-minute drill coming up next, Maddie. Josh Gordon has a uniform. Will he be allowed to play? We'll let you know next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. This is Ohio State football coach Ryan Day on your home for Buckeye football, the fan. Ohio sports destination. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit MarkLevyDDS.com today. All right, let's knock out a two-minute drill, Maddie. Josh Gordon returns to the Seahawks. Boy, the stuff, that, how he dazzled people in Cleveland. The chances just keep rolling back for Flash because we know what he can do when he's at his best. He hasn't been officially reinstated by the NFL, so their decision to sign him, I would think would mean that they believe he's going to be able to play sooner than later. Yeah, that absolutely, you know, is the vibe that I'm getting. And, you know, who knows how productive he'll be. You know, played in five games last year, caught eight passes, so nothing crazy to get excited about. But the potential of what Josh Gordon can be has always been what's gotten him these jobs, and that's the reason why. And we know that. He was amazing that year in Cleveland, and he's still young-ish. And when you've got that body type, man, you're absolutely going to get the attention of a lot of people. And look, DK Metcalf is built similarly, so maybe Pete Carroll is on to something with how he wants to build his 
his offense. Look, if I was a physical specimen like Josh Gordon, like even in the wintertime, I'd just be oh, walking around are. with a, with just a leather coat like my boy Finn Balor from mm. NXT. Nothing underneath. Just straight eight-pack mm. and a leather coat in the wintertime. That's how Josh Gordon is built. Nothing underneath. Doing. Not no, even nothing. pantalones. No, no. Well, you know, maybe in oh. public. But outside of that, you mm-hmm. know. No pants. Yeah, no pants. The beltless <laughs> trench coat for Maddie. Look out, You're people. Not, yeah, you get He's out on the street. <laughs> They're You're loaded, by like the way. This. I don't like I this either. Say, go, ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't like this news coming out of the Chargers camp. Austin Eckler, right. Justin Jackson, and Joshua uh, Kelly could I all know. be in the mix. You love him. Come on. Oh, my goodness. Everyone who's really high on Eckler doesn't like to hear that news. Even though I think he's a big talent and they're going to utilize him a lot. I don't know if they're going to go full committee. I think Eckler's the guy. But right? do we know if he... They, like, I know that, you know, some people question, can he be a one through three back? I don't know. He's always been this, hey, you want him on your fantasy team, he comes in, catches passes on third down. But uh, mm-hmm. I saw a picture of him where he was looking all swole and stuff, but it's yet to be seen. So this could be a real thing. And Justin Jackson... He's okay as a backup running back. He's fine, but yeah, that was kind of surprising to me, Eric, because I thought it was going to be his job, and they paid him some money, I believe, too. So uh, oh, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, he got that contract extension in the off season, and uh, now was it a little low for a workhorse guy? Well, now that I'm getting this news, maybe it was. And yeah. you know, they got uh, a kid from UCLA. I mean, I would expect him to get. I mean, my mind said 200 carries but that's probably high that's Tough. probably high now yeah it is pretty and i don't know how many times i don't know how their offense is going to be i don't know if they're going to get in the end zone that much so yeah no, it's I, a fair I would question. need i would need him to catch a lot of passes i'm with I you need man. to catch him 60 70 passes mm-hmm. for it's it to make happen. it worth for it to be worth it where people are looking to draft him which would be somewhere in the you know 14 to 20 range yeah yeah no i totally understand that, that. Is, i'm up real yeah. quick i'm putting this in the category of all yeah. ar i ain't buying it jets head coach adam gase and Le'Veon bell says mm-hmm. you know their late august issues i guess were just quote miscommunication okay they can keep telling that to the media i'm not buying it i just don't think these guys don't like each other i, I, I really told don't. you bell's putting a good face on this I, though I, yeah he is I, good, good good face on the gore situation like i think i think levian has got a good uh, head on his shoulders right now That's no fine. He, he does. I just don't trust their relationship. I think I, they're lying. Okay. I get that. All right, that is today's NFL two-minute drill. Uh, amazing play by Harden last night on that fly-by swat. Like, that's an amazing play. Like, if he yeah. fouls them, they probably lose. Like, that's a yeah, gutsy well, play on a dude lining up for a three. And I'm not saying a guy can't make a three. Mm-hmm. But when you're coming at him like Harden was, to do a fly-by swat so if you miss, you still don't hit his body. You saw the bad calls in the end of the other game. Yeah. Where you get a little touch foul or a guy land, you know, creeping up on a dude, rising up for a three, and you're landing in his landing space. Mm-hmm. They call a foul, and then uh, what? Giannis got that call with the touch on the three yeah. with, with Jimmy, and so I wouldn't have called either one. I don't think those were fouls. I understood the technicality of both of them, but my mind goes to Harden flying by and getting yeah. that twi- That's three free throws for Dort. And then he dodges the ball between the legs when he's trying to throw it off of him. By the way, Um, Dort. Yeah, incredible, incredible play. I know we got to run here, but Dort, he's been an issue. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. And play well offensively, but this is the series that we want tomorrow. You want Harden yeah. and Westbrook squaring off no against doubt. LeBron in AD. So, yeah, can't wait for that. Yeah, and then 1.2 left. They don't even get the ball in. Like, they didn't even get a chance after Covington missed one. Like, that's the couple really good endings in the bubble last night. Like, you know what I mean? Those were really quality. Oh, yeah. You know me. Absolutely. I'm not a locking NBA guy all year, but when, when I sit down and watch, you know, those games, meaningful games now. Got some fun those ones were, tonight, Those were pretty too. fun. Very entertaining. Very yeah. entertaining. Should be a fun night tonight, too. Yep. All right. Enjoy. We'll be back tomorrow on a Friday. Rothman and Ice on the Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan Sports Center. Good afternoon. I'm Paul Kielzer. Now reports that the chancellors and presidents of Big Ten schools may hold a revote in the next couple of days on possibly reversing their decision to postpone fall football. The conference also has been ordered by a judge to provide more documents to shed light on the vote that was taken to postpone the 2020 season. This is in response to the lawsuit filed by eight Nebraska players, and the league has until September 12th to provide the documents. Columbus Crew SC announcing that 1,500 fans will be permitted to attend Sunday's match at Montfrey Stadium against FC Cincinnati. College football tonight, Central Arkansas at UAB, South Alabama playing at Southern Miss. The Seattle Seahawks have re-signed suspended wide receiver Josh Gordon today to a one-year deal. He's still awaiting word on his reinstatement. The Brooklyn Nets have hired Hall of Famer Steve Nash to be their new head coach. Breaking sports news when it happens on The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.